Who wants well, to start let's... us off with some hot banter? Some hot bants. Um, What's the bants? Man, that's submarine, huh? Oh. <laughs> we said hot bants, okay? Oh, that is ice that, cold right tragic. now. <laughs> that is what ice do you cold. think happened to those guys? Oh, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> Don't bring us down to that level already. Come on. Sorry, man. I've, been in, I've, been in, I've been in a coma for the last <laughs> week and a half. <laughs> have, have you heard about this new app called Threads? Holy shit, oh, man. God. It's all the rage. Are we oh, all on? Are we all on Threading? We're all threading. threading. Yeah, is that, sure. we're, is that like MySpace? Is, we're threading. We're blue skying. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're all we're over the place. I'm on dotting, but don't Ma- do it in public, okay? That's, you get in trouble. <laughs> the thing is, is that threading is what I used to have done to my eyebrows. So for me- Is that a thing? Well, yeah. Instead of using wax, you can get like a one piece of thread in a circle and then you use the tension and you just you use it. It's like a pair of scissors. It is crazy. It's so good. Anyway. Stuff girls have to worry about, man. Fuck. I we know. just like roll out of bed. I haven't done my hair. I shaved. That was good. I did like that two days ago. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, just I don't so know about easier, you, man. Ralph, but I'm, I've been taking care of this bad boy for many years. I, yeah, I have well, a yeah. very rigid program to keep this guy I, looking clean. I am incapable of growing facial hair. So <laughs> that's it. Blessing. Can, can you grow a beard? Yeah, blessing or what? I I tried. I tried during the pandemic and that'll probably be the last time I'll ever try that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was yeah. really it was a not great beard. I'll it be is. Do it you, does it looks like you have pictures yeah. of it. Uh I believe I don't actually I don't know if I have pictures because I wasn't really taking pictures. You destroy the during evidence. That, like, mm. yeah. During that work Smart. from home period. But there are definitely episodes of kind of funny that you'll see me with a beard and I definitely look like a different person because that's before I even grew my my hair out more. Mm. Right. And so like I had a buzz cut with a beard because I really wanted to try <laughs> I wanted to try to look like the rapper Common. And it just <laughs> didn't yeah. work out. I, I just I just couldn't pull it off. You know, I was saying I'd love to see you in the Wolverine getup. I want to see those thick chops on the side connecting beard down here. Yep. I want you in the yellow suit, man. Yeah. Yellow suit yeah. Wolverine. Yeah, totally. Do it. Do it. 100%. God. I'd be. I got the height for it, so I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You do. Short king. <laughs> I, I prefer an average height above average guy. Above, yeah, short king above average guy. <laughs> uh, av- average height above average guy. The average height in America, actually, I don't even know if I do make that. <laughs> the average height in Nigeria, I'm way above it. Hell yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm way really? tall for my people. Oh man. <laughs> I'm like one of the tallest in my family, which is weird because I'm only five seven. Have you guys ever been to the Netherlands? Yeah, that's my yeah. I'm six foot. I'm six foot two. Really, right? I'm six foot two, six foot three ish, and I feel short in the Netherlands because everyone there is a fucking giant. Properly, I'm just like, god damn, man. Everyone, it's it's intimidating. Wow. What an well, intro. How tall are you? <laughs> Listeners and users. In the comments down below. How tall are you? And what are your thoughts on the submersible? <laughs> Do you think it's still down there? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Genuinely, oh, a very sad situation. Like that poor 19 oh. year old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move us away from this. Yes. But, uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. That's right. Logitech Game Controller. Buy it on Amazon. Welcome to the Friends of a Second podcast, uh, where every couple of weeks, every fortnight, some good pals get together and chat about video games. I'm hosting this week. Uh, my name is Lucy James, and joining me, as usual, we've got Ralph, a.k.a. Skillup. I don't know why I point while I do this, because, you know, I don't actually know where you guys are going to be. Um, Stu will handle it. I don't know. Gerard, <laughs> a.k.a. The Completionist. Hi, I'm happy to be here again. Sorry I missed we last missed time. We missed you. <laughs> I missed man. being here. We could have talked all about our universal trip and all the don't worry, we still yeah. can. things we did. We, we'll wait for that when Jake comes back. Yeah, that's fair. We'll wait till Jake comes back. But uh, yeah, sadly, Jake is not with us this week. 
However, in his place, we've got the one, the only, Blessing Adioye Jr. from Kind of Funny. Hi, Bless. Yo, what's up? Thank you for joining Hello. us. Hello, I'm still trying to I'm trying to maintain my record as the non-main cast member who's been on the show the most. Um, That's true. How many? How many? Uh, you Tam. Know? Yeah. This is your third, oh, right? Tam's probably up in there. Tam uh, is number one for sure. Yeah. It's either third or fourth. I've lost count. Now. You're you're yeah, a close second. Like I think yeah. it's like maybe sure. ha- half an appearance because we we often film this show with Tam in the room when we're in person. Yeah. So that's true. That's it's true. also a damning indictment of us getting together as a group of four that we <laughs> <laughs> because we've only got twenty five episodes. We're very bad. Oh, and actually, and like, Nick's probably been on the show more than Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And next week, actually, I will be absent because yep. I will be on holidays. So, uh, yes, the streak will continue of the gang struggling to find the time slot that works. <laughs> but to be fair, to so, be fair to us, West Coast, East Coast, Australia. True. So if anything, the fact that we make it work is a miracle. That's true. Is, is to, and we're to all be pretty busy as well. We've all got shit, shit going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, it's 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 tough. It is there's, tough to make it happen. There's games coming out and stuff. I guess. But... Always the video games. <sighs> How yep. y'all doing? How's the vibe? Doing good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm. As I said, I'm about to head off for a holiday. Mm-hmm. I um made a last minute call actually because I had planned to work through my holiday and keep mm. doing my new show because i was like you know what it's just the new show it's easy i can punch it out at night time and i was just like because i just sort of autopilot to that like because I, I guess when you work in this world you're just always working and then you're like well i should always i should also work on my holiday as well that just mm-hmm. makes sense right of course and then uh yeah i was just like i realized i just thought about it. i'm like that's not healthy that's not a good idea mm-hmm. so i'm actually just going to kind of unplug entirely during good. that period i'm going on holiday to europe and i'm just going to kick back and relax and chill and um take a month man it's like a full month, a month. wow so, no yeah it's wow. the first hol- proper holiday that i've taken since the plague hit yeah. uh, like i took a little bit of time off over christmas obviously but there's like always you know how christmas is it's not oh, actually it's that not relaxing the christmas break it's no. not because no. you've got so many things you're doing family times whatever and then it's over before you know it right so this is like the mm. first proper holiday and um yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I'm excited. I'm and and it's a good time as well, right? Because yeah. there's not much coming out this month, and then when we get when I get back in August, it goes mental because yeah. everything starts coming yeah. out. Oh, so yeah. So it's actually really well timed, and I'm happy about it. So that's right. Except the only challenge is today, uh, I get on a plane in or I go on the get in a cab in five hours, and I have not yet packed a bag. Uh, so this is going to be a pretty wild uh, little little intervening period. That is so stressful to me. I bet I think some people can pack like okay, some people really stress about packing. And they're I like, oh my I god, don't stress about packing. I need to pack I just, a bag. I just I just need like there is a freedom of mind when it's done and my little sure. suitcase is just sat next to the door and I can just go, Oh, I can waltz from here to the door, to the car, to the airport. No worries about it, you know? Sure. But the thing about the thing that stresses me out for you is like you're going for a month. Yes. Like I've never gone anywhere. If I go back to the UK, I have stuff there, so it's like fine. But yeah, yeah. you know, but find like, stuff. For packing you? for a month is a lot. Yeah, yeah. no, no, but like you don't pack for a days? month. You pack, you pack for two weeks and then you do laundry, right? You can't pack for a month, man. That's not possible, right? And so TikTok I'd influencers like, would say that's would a disagree. Lie. <laughs> well, fair enough. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll find that that out the hard way. But um, 
But I don't know, man. I've just always been the kind of packer that's like, here, here's all my t-shirts. Put yeah. them in a bag. Here's all my socks. Anyway, put them in a bag. I think I should bring some dress shoes. Done. I mean, I'll, like, I'll pack in 30 minutes. You know what I mean? It'd be fine. Yeah. And I know other people that stress out about it, but like pack is all that, always that thing that I just never cared about. I'm like, I can buy, you go to H&M, yeah. man. You just buy a shirt for like three bucks. It's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's all good. My dad so, would always say, if you're traveling anywhere, the only three things you need, money, tickets, passport. Everything yeah. else replaceable. See, smart man. He knows what he's doing. What's he smart talking man. about? But, hi, bless. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. How you been? I've been pretty good. Uh, I'm also coming back from my own little mini vacation. Mm -hmm. I was just hanging out in Seattle for the weekend, visiting some family, which is really fun. And then um, this week, I'm headed to LA for a bachelorette party uh, at Disney, which Ooh. should be Ooh. a really cool. good time. And so, yeah, I'm Wait, doing, when, doing when, a lot of when, traveling. When are you going, Blessing, to that to that party? Like what day? To that of the party? Week? It's uh, I'm so I'm flying out to LA tomorrow night. Okay. But I'm, the party itself is happening like later in the week. I'm just getting to LA early, and so I'm gonna be there for 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 a little bit. Um, but yeah, like it's gonna be a, a nice time just mm -hmm. hanging out. Um, I really love LA as a city. I have a lot of friends in LA. Um, we, weirdly enough, I probably have more friends in LA than I actually do in San Francisco where I live, <laughs> and so I'm gonna try and make time to hang out with a lot of them. And yeah, like aside from that, I've I've just been chilling. Not many games coming yeah. out like aside from final fantasy 16 but i got to review that and so mm -hmm. i've already finished it and so now i'm just like you know looking for things to play playing some street sure. fighter 6 mm -hmm. getting in those ranked matches and having a good time hell yeah lovely mm. wow should we talk about speaking of video games should we we talk about them it's been it's not the thing it's quiet for releases it's also kind of quiet for news but there is obviously some stuff it is. to talk about mm. um not a not a great one to start with god like the day dalek is um yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the studio behind Lord of the Rings Gollum, uh, German studio, Daedalic Entertainment or Interactive, um, they are kind of closing down. They're stopping game development. I think they are, I believe Daedalic is still going to be publishing some things, but that yes. second Lord of the Rings game has been canceled uh, off the off the back of the uh, negative reception to uh, Gollum, um, which kind of, yeah, feels very weird, kind of feels like a very immediate um, decision. But yeah, when that game... Uh, launched the it, it it impacted the stock price that tanked pretty hard when that came out um and it's kind of uh, yeah it's it's a weird one to talk about and it's yeah. it's 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 a bummer and i mm. like obviously it sucks whenever a studio goes under because there's job losses right and they the studio has said that they plan to like reallocate people throughout their network but there's a very vague statement what is their network like who knows what this means uh and so you kind of imagine that at least some people are going to be out on their ass which is a bummer obviously uh because clearly there were some like management issues with that i'm sure that there are some like innocent low-level devs who mm -hmm. was just doing their best who got handed a project that they were totally ill-equipped for and uh, senior management are probably going to emerge from this with some kind of golden parachute or something while, you know, like the workers will probably, as I said, be out on their ass. So it's a bummer. Hate these sorts of stories for that reason. Um, at the same time as well, like I also think about kind of like, I don't know, our role in mm -hmm. as content creators, as reviewers, as like commentators, whatever in this and how that goes. Uh, because obviously we did videos on Golem and we all made fun of Golem because it was a terrible video game. <laughs> it was like, of course you make fun of a game that is objectively that terrible, of course. 
But like, it's also, you kind of think about like, well, what are the repercussions of that kind of commentary and how we do that? And I don't know. I don't think any of us would have spoken about Gollum ever any differently, but it really does suck knowing that that eventually leads to these sorts of outcomes sometimes. Do you know what I mean? I reflect on that a lot in terms of when I'm, when I'm doing what I do. And I, I definitely think about it um, more and more as the years go on. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. I think for me, I see it as almost like a chicken and the egg sort of thing where Gollum was an exceptional failure on yes. a different kind of level. Right. Especially when you talk about the, the virality of it and everybody talking about it and everybody seeing how broken it is. And even the meme of it being the first announced quote unquote next gen title. Right. It was the yeah. first PS5 Xbox Series X game yeah. announced. And it finally comes out and it ends up being what a lot of us expected, which is not a great game and so bad that, yeah, it becomes big meme material. And when I saw this new story, the thing that stuck out to me was learning that um, the studio, uh, Didelic Studio or Didelic Entertainment, they do a lot of publishing. And I opening up their Wikipedia page, you go through their catalog and I look through the games that they developed. And of course, the latest one was Lord of the Rings Gollum in 2023. But before that, in 2020, they developed a game called A Year of Rain. Two years before that, they developed a game called State of Mind. Before that, The Long Journey Home. And the list goes on of titles that I've never heard of. Yeah. Right. But then you jump to the publishing side and they publish a lot of video games. Like in 2023 alone, there's a large handful of video games that they published. Right. And that goes for the years going back. And I think for them, you imagine that Lord of the Rings Golem was a wake-up call that made them go, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, we should maybe not do this if this is going to be the outcome, right? Like, this this game was so bad that it put such a bad spotlight on us. Meanwhile, we're doing all this other stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. I could see I could see the case for them um, seeing the, the bad reception of Lord of the Rings Golem and going, hey, let's not let this ruin what we're good at. Let's, let's not let this... Um, t- tarnish our reputation for when it even comes to publishing games as well. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick to that and, you know, just do that. I think another part of the story that's really interesting is that apparently they're working on another Lord of the Rings game that got canceled as well alongside this. Golem 2, and man. Can you imagine? If Golem it, 2. Yeah, no. Golem 2. But that's it's thing is, if, if, if it was Golem 2, then maybe good like maybe good that that doesn't come out. But yeah, it's such a, it's such a wild story when you just look at Daedalic Studio or Daedalic Entertainment and not knowing who they were and then them doing this and now being like, ah, shoot, we should redefine who we are as a company in this case. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, I mean, yeah. And I guess like there's the broader question of like Lord of the Rings and working with Middle Earth Enterprises on video games and like what their role in everything is. You know, clearly they don't have a quality bar. They just care about the fact that their IP is interpreted correctly. I always remember that Polygon piece. I think it was Alexa, Alexa Ray Korea wrote it um, about the making of that old Vivendi Lord of the Rings game from 2001, 2002, sure. Fellowship of the Ring. I remember that one. Yep. And I remember that in, a, in that piece, there was a whole section about the fact that they had to argue over what color the tomatoes were in Hobbiton. <laughs> and so it's like... <laughs> There are sticklers for stuff like that, but A, they don't give a shit when Shelob gets turned into a sexy, <laughs> sexy lady, and they also <laughs> seem to not care when a game is so bad, it is going to negatively impact their... But it's it like, I guess it's that Warhammer kind yeah. of approach, which is like, yeah, you can have a license, sure, whatever, man, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, just the result is like lots of trash 
and then the occasional good video game that comes along at some point, like yeah. the you know the PS2, like Two Towers and whatever. Yeah, um, or the Sh- Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, and Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, absolutely, of course, of course. Which I always forget. I always forget that's a lot of ring games. So yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. of course. So I mean, I, I think one of the things though that you know coming back to Embracer, they've recently said, or the COO has said that because they've now acquired the rights. And they've said that they want to exploit this property to its maximum value or something. It's really gross language. It's like corporatized and whatever. <laughs> but how do you guys feel about the strategy of going forward? Like lots of Lord of the Rings games going forward. Is that exciting Dude. to you? I, what, how do we feel about this? I don't want them. I don't want them. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, did you guys happen to see the... Um, the year, the fiscal year end call that Embracer did a few weeks ago. No. I, oh, wait, no, I think it did. I saw the video of the guy's face when he was oh, talking. Oh, the two was, billion dollar deal? It was heartbreaking yes. oh, to watch sure. that call. Where they, the higher ups came out at the end of the fiscal year and like they basically woke up one day. Well, they woke up the day they were supposed to give their presentation for what their plans were for the fiscal year and what the results were and all this stuff. And apparently that night before they gave their presentation yeah a multi-billion dollar deal fell through that was going to define the future of their company like they described it as like a groundbreaking this is humongous for us as embracer group and so that fell through and i i think when you look at their language about lord of the rings through that lens it starts to make sense a little bit because you know the way you make money in this industry is by going after ip that is repeatable that you can like expand and you know everybody's trying to do this right nintendo's the king of this when you look when you look at mario and there's a billion different kinds of mario but games look how mario it's playing out for marvel and disney and them just like <laughs> yeah running their ip like, into that the is... ground and no one cares anymore and that's what's coming for lord of the rings yeah like yeah. and i think you know expanding your ip in that way is how you define success a lot a lot mm-hmm. of the time but embrace group is this company that came out of nowhere right came from the the grave of the original thq and then grew and then started buying all these double a studios that you know like the studios that they buy are very like very i don't i don't want to say middle of the road because i don't want to like insult the studios because plenty of these studios are i'm like talented and passionate or whatever but they go after they go after like um Koch Media and yes. the Saints Row studio and like yes. studios that you don't like view as mm-hmm. a Naughty Dog or a like Sony Santa Monica or whatever. They go after studios that are kind of in this weird in between double A space. And then they do have Crystal Dynamics as well, right? But like even the way that that fits into the equation is weird. But mm-hmm. they have they have this weird strategy that feels like it's aimed at um like it's it's aimed at quantity as opposed to quality and it is them going after as many uh, studios and games as they can so that they can like hopefully make it all work out in the end and yes seeing yeah. them lose out on this big deal i think was them finally like yeah. tripping over and going oh snap like now we're in trouble because this one thing fell through and now all the dominoes are falling for them so they look at lord of the rings as maybe they're saving grace or maybe they're even their last grasp of well, that's ga- like grasp of air because i don't know who or what fell through but they announced and i've gone back and looked in like august last year they said embrace a group uh, has entered into an agreement to acquire Middle Earth Enterprises, which owns a vast intellectual property catalog and worldwide rights to motion pictures, video games, board games, merchandising, theme parks, and stage productions to relating to the iconic fantasy literary works, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and The Hobbit, as well as matching rights in other Middle Earth-related literary works authorized by the Tolkien Estate and HarperCollins, so Silmarillion and whatever. Um, but then it's like, yeah, that quote was, oh, where was it? 
Other opportunities include exploring additional movies based on yes. iconic characters such as Gandalf, mm-hmm. Aragorn, Gollum, Galadriel, Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. I mean, there is that Lord of the Rings, um, uh, like it's like an anime, like Helm Hammerhead. Um, what do you there is? I don't like, even know that. Yeah, there's a Riders of Rohan thing coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord okay. of the Rings, War of the, oh, no, War of the Rohirrim is the animated movie. There's other stuff coming right. out as well. Okay. And so, yeah, they... It feels like this, and they announced the thing with Amazon. They announced the new Lord of the Rings MMO. Yes. That is actually one thing that I can see making a lot of sense. I'm like, okay, cool. A new MMO. There aren't many new MMOs that come along. Lord of the Rings is a nice, nice safe world to set it in. Well, I mean, there is already... I know for sure, <laughs> and it already and it, and the fact that that keeps going for as long as it yeah. has is kind of inst- like instructive of the fact that it could be successful. So I see that, and I'm like, cool, that's a bit that makes sense. I'm into that, but outside of that, I just wonder how many games Lord of the Rings has in it. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, just- I mean, there's there is a ton of stuff in there, like that you could explore, but they're not. Of you course, know, it's not. It's not going to be the same star power as an Aragorn game, except for, I mean, there already is an Aragorn game from Traveler's Tales all those years ago, like Aragorn's Quest. But like, you know, you're not going to have the star power of those kind of, you know, sure. fellowship stuff, um, or at least the members of the fellowship compared to, you know, digging deep into the lore. But I guess I guess they did well with um, Shadow of War and Mordor. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, for sure. And I'm, I definitely think there's room for some games. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But I, I just, I wonder the way that they frame that language, the fact that they bought these rights and they want to see a return mm-hmm. on investment on them. I worry that we're just going to get spammed with lots of low quality stuff. And I just think it would be disappointing. Yeah. I wonder, like, do you think at a, just like random thought, do you think at a high level we're becoming a bit sort of, I don't know, there's been so much licensed content push mm. over the last decade or two decades. It feels like more than it feels like just a thing now that is so prevalent, so like ubiquitous. Mm. You know, we just had a fucking Indiana Jones five just got released. Like, who the fuck asked for that? Nobody. Do you know well, what I mean? Look at the, I mean, look at the yeah. thing. It's like it. That's the weird thing about it is that I think we are now in this place and. Disney is certainly bearing the brunt of it if you watch um, like any of the financials and any of the critical reaction to anything Disney has done where they are just over, they've overinvested in an IP to the point where they've saturated the market with it. And you think that because everyone knows who Indiana Jones is, that they're like, oh, I'm, I'm Im- immediately going to turn up. N- no one did turn sure. up. Like no that one did movie, turn up, yeah. Look at the how much it cost versus that first week, yeah. that second week drop off. I mean, I'm not pretending like I'm going to be some kind of incredible box office expert and I understand it. But then if you also look at Insidious and like low budget, yes, it's still very much primed to an audience because Insidious and all that has been going for a long time. But it's like, look at the budget on that and look how many people turned up. Why is the budget on Indiana Jones like so big and no one's turning up? And it's like, why are we having Secret Invasion? Why have we got so many different (laughs) Marvel properties that... No one's talking about, no one seems to really care about. It's Star yes, Wars too. It's like Star Wars. Yeah. I feel like I'm actually t- almost tired of Lord of the Rings, even though nothing's really come out lately. Yeah. 
And I'm thinking I had that fatigue. I'm like, why do I feel that way? I think, and I'm like, I think I'm tired of Lord of the Rings because I'm tired of Star Wars and fucking what Disney's doing yeah. with all their stuff. It's, you know what I mean? Like it, the fa- the franchise fatigue that oh, extends yeah. everywhere. It's almost like I'm automatically applying it to Lord of the Rings before it's even out of the gate. You know what I mean? Which like- I think says something. So it's the curl of the monkey's I, I, paw I, that we've waited. You know? Yes. 20 years since the the launch of the trilogy and honestly i'm i'm genuinely amazed it hasn't it didn't start sooner sure i have a little bit of a thought experiment with this with this Mm -hmm. um idea because i've been going back and forth on our show over on kind of funny about um the indiana jones video game um that's being worked on by machine games yes yeah and that there's an argument that we have going around and i'm willing to accept that i'm the crazy person here but I am I'm not really that excited for Indiana Jones the video game and we have like we have this discussion of is Indiana Jones as an IP right as like is the Indiana Jones video game going to sell gangbusters because it's Indiana Jones or are we just putting all of our our eggs in this basket because that's just like we're used to franchise stuff mm. or big IP stuff yes. being the standard if you want to push a new thing like my argument was um has been that like if Machine Games put out a brand new IP that was a nine out of ten game, I think it'd be just. I think it would do just as good as a new Indiana Jones video game coming from Machine Games. Mm-hmm. That's also a nine out of ten. But am I crazy for thinking it? Thinking that? I. I mean, personally, I feel like from a sales perspective, if a successful Indiana Jones game is probably just going to have a nice big soft pillow under it in terms of sales that's going to do well and it's going to be like you buy it as a gift for someone and you don't really buy play games but you're buying a gift for little johnny and you're like yeah here's the latest indiana jones game it's fine whatever versus if it's some ip you've never heard of like whatever so i think it gives it a bit of a bump but i do think that your overall point stands which is that like i don't really think it gives you that much more as a result of it being indiana jones so you're right if if machine games put out a nine out of ten game it would still do really well and everyone would be really happy. And then they would own that IP themselves mm. as opposed to having to pay probably like 30 to 40% of their revenue off to Disney because they're using the IP. So they probably end up better as a studio if they do it like you've described. I mean, that's just a guess, obviously. But, not not to yeah. not to butt in uh, to, to poo-poo on anyone's ideas here, but I think the other thing we're kind of forgetting about, in my opinion, aside from the dollar signs that everyone's having their chance in their piece of the pie, right? If you're a game dev studio and motherfucking Disney shows up and oh, they yeah. go, do you want to develop Indiana Jones uh, a game and that no one has developed an Indiana Jones game since the DOS games, let alone maybe Lego Indiana Jones for the DS and Wii, like it's you kind of say yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the idea. And and c- there are studios that have a track record of being really good and genuine about creating licensed IP. Ilphonic made mm-hmm. freaking ghostbusters recently which was awesome they've made predator they i think they even made friday the 13th that was one of their first products they worked on right they, they co-developed it so like they're yeah. they're i feel like as a game dev if if you are given an opportunity to develop something you want to give it your best mm-hmm. unfortunately whatever happened at 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 golem i'm sure i'm one day we will see the netflix series that tells us the truth about what happened there and hey embracer you're welcome that's how you get your money back um but 
what do you do in the meantime, right? Like, you know, whether or not Machine Games wants to or not, like they've been given an opportunity yeah. and probably a bunch of Disney. And for money. the record, like, oh, this is the one be, that like, they like, wanted I, to make. I believe they want to. No, no, right. no. Todd Howard is. Yeah, this is the Todd. Was, like game. the whole yeah. story was that Todd Howard is like very passionate about Indiana Jones. Like they they say that he's like probably the biggest Indiana Jones uh, fan ever. And they say like his pitch for the the game blew people's minds. They're like, oh yeah, you have to make this. And so, yeah, I don't want to take anything away from oh, like yeah. the passion right, of right. games and like them wanting, wanting to make the game. But more so just curious about the power of IP and like, like does Indiana Jones, which for, like, you know, I like Indiana Jones, but like Indiana Jones, the last great Indiana Jones product was what? Maybe the third movie that came mm-hmm. out what over 35 years ago 40 years ago i've lost track, track of time at this point <laughs> yeah. yeah right 40 years um, ago it's not 40 years ago it was like, I, like it was like wait, what was you? it 90 was it 90 something was it in the 90s did you say 97 was it 97 it was no. 89 89 89 so 30, was it okay 30 something years so almost oh 35 so I'm not, years. I'm not, so that, not far off. Off. I'm not that far off <laughs> i can't believe you're not that far off that's I so know. sad yeah last crusade time was 89 and so like i think i'm just looking at the the power of IP and that IP in particular, right? Like is, is Indiana Jones still hot? Cause loosely talking about, yeah, this, mm. this new movie isn't performing granted. Like the new movie is not spectacular. Right? Like, I think it's fine, but it's not, mm. you know, blowing people's minds is a, is an Indiana Jones video game going to come out and do like Spider-Man numbers or like star Wars numbers, or is it just another video game? I mean, if it, the thing is as well is that machine games, selfishly i just want another wolfenstein but sure. if you know i don't know oh, how wolfenstein performed um but if indiana jones is maybe like the stepping stone for that studio like it has folks over at bethesda definitely todd howard who desperately want to make it all those signs point to them doing something really cool that i trust them as a studio but at the same time it's like this it's kind of the avatar thing right it's weird that it's not out around the same time as the movie like avatar yeah, delayed yeah, yeah. by a whole year i mean yeah look true, true. it's uh, i don't know maybe you know that's just a maybe that's a deliberate thing you know space it out make it its own thing make it to be marvel spider-man on playstation um instead of uh what people might think is a tie-in game who knows but i, I do hmm. sorry i i hmm. I, I, I did want to talk a little bit going back to blessings point two about what a basic group is doing in terms of collecting these studios mm. um and just looking at the list of places that they own, just the list of studios and companies they own, I think the idea here, and this, again, this is just me talking out of my ass. I'm not a fucking insider. I don't know anything about anything. Um, I think the idea here is by owning so many studios that specialize in so many different types of IP licensing or development, they're trying to kind of be a catch-all company that could theoretically do something with their own IP, aka Lord of the Rings, right? Like... Mm. Looking at this, the THQ side of Nordic and Embrace Group and all that stuff, a lot of the games they put out in the last few years are licensed remasters. SpongeBob, you know, the Bikini Body game. Oh, yeah. Um, you had uh, Destroy All Humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got remastered. and The first one got remastered and brought back. And I'm sure they're going to make a second and third one. They made another SpongeBob game uh, like last year or something like that. Um, yeah, the Cosmic Shake. Exactly. Yeah, I think the end, you know, they bought Limited Run Games, who specializes in creating physical games. Mm-hmm. And they bought Bitwave Studios, uh, the guys I know over there, who specialize in porting. And, and they just released... Uh, Mr. Gimmick for the first time to worldwide, which was only released 
to the uh, to Europe. So like to me, it seems like everyone they purchased, the idea was we're going to build a super team of studios that we own and then supercharge the IPs that we do have to create something new. And I think that whatever this whatever this deal was, whatever mm. whatever this big billion dollar purchase was or acquisition was, was supposed to be that that gateway to kind of fix potentially and connect everything together. And so now it's going to be interesting to see what happens because it just kind of that that I that image of that dude is in my head of him not looking good when he's talking. Oh, he yeah. was yeah. he was upset, uh, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm God. I'm just looking through how many things they own. I, I didn't That's realize they owned Saber. I didn't realize they owned Four A. So like everything. the the Metro. Yep. Oh, on the, top of this everything business does not make sense to me yet. It does not make sense to no. me. No, I, I mean understand. they have already said that they're going to be like shuttering some studios, like canceling yes, projects. Yes, yes, That's yes, yes. the belt tightening has already begun. So, um, yes. and yeah, Gollum wasn't Embracer at the time. Gollum was, I think, uh, was it Nexon, Nacon? Um, Nacon, yeah, yes. But yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting to see kind of like the repercussions. But obviously, don't want to dwell on you know. Hopefully, the people affected land on their feet. Don't want to dwell on. Uh, Oh, my link doesn't work because we're talking about console stuff. Damn, I was like, we don't want to dwell on the negativity. And then this is going to be like, now you're we're talking about console. the Xbox Series S. So nice. what a clean transition, but whatever. So uh, Baldur's Gate 3, um, first of all, got moved up a few weeks. It's now coming out on my birthday. So thank you so oh. much, Larian, August the 3rd. Oh, they did that just for you, no just doubt. Just for me. <laughs> Um, so it's currently in early access on PC. It's coming out on PC on August 3rd, and then they're moving the PlayStation version to September. And yes. then the yes. um, they have said they've hit a significant roadblock with porting the game to next-gen Xbox systems because of the Series S. Brutal. Um, which, is that what they said, like, on record? That is wild. Yeah. I'm making no friends and- over at Xbox for saying that. <laughs> Literally. Also yeah, they were really it- upfront. They were really upfront about it. They've been upfront about it for a while, actually. It's not yeah. the first time they've said it. They've said that it's the number one priority for them is like parody of features. They want mm-hmm. and and uh couch co-op is the thing, and they want every version of the game to ship with that, and they can't get it working on Series S yet. Yeah. So, so Series awkward. S is obviously the uh the lesser powered Xbox of this generation launched around the same time as the series, or it did launch the same time as the Series X. Um, less um, storage in there as well. Basically, it's wild because you buy a Series S and then you basically spend the exact same amount of money on a the external storage. The storage so you might as well thing. just bought a, uh, a Series X. But I mean, in terms of portability, it's great. I got to do the unboxing for it, and it's basically like a book. It's wild. Yes. The technology that's in there is incredible for what it is. Um, but it's also kind of interesting when you are discussing Xbox as an ecosystem, which is what how they like to refer to it. And it's like, well, they want to have something that comes out in Xbox One, Series S, and Series X. Um, but what happens when, you know, it has to be current gen only and maybe Series S doesn't make the cut, which seems to be what is happening here. So, boys, who do you, any of you have a Series S? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have one and it's I, I actually have it in my lounge room in my house mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great console like it really is mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty remarkable like if you pick it up its form factor is is wild it's like a small shoebox mm-hmm. and it's so light 
And there's actually this add-on you can buy, like a third-party add-on that's a screen. Have you guys seen this? I have oh, one. Oh, I didn't realize you that was one. official. Yeah, sure. I, 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 yeah, get, was... I, I got one at my time at G4. It was one of my parting yeah. gifts I got to take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, it's literally just a screen that bolts onto the back of it and then it folds over. And it's basically like a little portable thing, you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a great product for people entering that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Like really, it's great price point. It does have full parity across the entire library, as in you can play everything that comes out. Xbox have been really insistent on that point. They've never budged and I don't think they ever will. Um, but yeah, the word from the start, as soon as it was announced, was a whole bunch of developers being like, this is a massive problem. This is going to be like an albatross around Xbox's neck. It's going to hold back developers because they need to, this creates the next sort of like lowest common denominator for the coming console generation and will hold back all, you know, game development because everything needs to be baseline to this less powerful console. Now, I don't know if that is true, okay? And I don't want to get into that fucking... I don't want to pretend like I know anything about that because I've heard conflicting stuff. I've heard some developers say, yeah, absolutely, this is a problem and it will definitely hold things back and we always need to be designing around this thing at a baseline. I've heard other developers say, no, it's fine. It's perfectly... You just design things differently and this does not hold anything back. So I don't know exactly where that goes, but clearly this is a pretty obvious example of the S, you know, at least holding Larian back and them needing to put in a lot more effort to get the S to where it needs to be to, you know, have full feature parity. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys like, so Gerard, do you actually use your S? I don't imagine, I don't use my S much. Do you use it? I use my S for indie games almost exclusively. Mm. It's my okay. indie box. So sure. um, mostly because most, mo- I've never really had I mean, I have both an Xbox. I, 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 in my office, I have several Xbox Series S's, uh, just as a means of, uh, of having extra for recording B-roll or streaming, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I love them. I think they're great. I, I definitely think it's weird. There's no, no CD drive on it, and thus it's a little less in terms of performance. You know, from it not being a 4K console, 100% all the way through. Um, but it runs. I haven't had a game I've played on it that's like run worse than that on an Xbox Series X yet. It just seems pretty, pretty one to one in that way. I feel like the big di- the the big jump difference is: are you playing the game in 4K and not you know 1080p plus or 2K or whatever it may be? Um, I think that's kind of where like the hard the hardware power really kind of resonates. But mm. it's interesting to to hear. It's almost like. Uh, it's not the same, but it's how I think of it. Nintendo Switch Lite versus Nintendo Switch versus Nintendo OLED. Like the <laughs> the cons- yeah. the constraints around the hardware creating a longevity problem could could be an issue for sure. Yeah, I I I bought an S for my brother as a gift. He's like a casual gamer and he loves it. He mm. it's just like he, he just it's it's what he uses to play Call of Duty and Fortnite and these sorts of things, right? And it's the perfect device for him because he has Game Pass mm. and he buys the odd game here or there. Like he was into he's into Diablo, so he bought Diablo 4 and he's able to play it on the S and like that's it. And it's kind of like would I have bought him an Xbox Series X? No, that's too much money, you know. <laughs> uh, but I bought him that, and it's like, yeah, this is a great entry point. And does he does he need an X? Not really, because he doesn't play that many games. Uh, and I think Xbox have always been crowing about how 
you know, how successful this is as a category. They're always talking about how they're really glad that they've done it. They get so many new uh, people joining the Xbox ecosystem because of it. So I, I think if we take them, what like their commentary at face value, it does sound like this has been a good play. But uh, yeah, I mean, I do wonder how much impact it's had on the development side of things and yeah. whether or not it's 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 held them back because yeah, like it's 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 definitely a lot less powerful than the other than the other device for sure. Well, apparently Xbox are now helping out uh, the Larian yes. team, and hopefully they're working on it so to get it out before to get it out this year. Um, so. Sorry, I also think the timing yeah. the timing of Baldur's Gate co- not coming out on Xbox in September is probably good Smart. for them because <laughs> yep. Starfield is right there totally. and yep. those are two big old RPGs and I think Starfield is going to be the one that has way more name recognition on that platform mm-hmm. and that more people are going to show up for and so if you're Larian and you're putting out Baldur's Gate and you have your PC version coming out early August and you have a PlayStation version coming out early September. I think both of those are smart dates. And if you can yeah. wait until the Starfield hype is over and then release on Xbox, I think that might be even the stronger move for you. And yeah. so I don't think like as much of a bummer as hearing the news of it not coming to Xbox immediately because of the, the Xbox Series S might sound on uh, at the front of it. I think it's a net positive yeah. uh, just based on the fact that, hey, if if we have an Xbox, we're probably going to be playing Starfield on it anyway. And so, yeah, let's just wait. <laughs> I was going to say mm. that takeover on... I can already see the takeover that Starfield is going to have it. Like, I'll boot up my Xbox and everything will be Starfield. Yes. So there will be no totally. escape yeah. in it. Um, Twitter threads. Oh, God. Thread threads. I'm, I'm, Blue skies. I really hope that... <laughs> yeah, the, the hive... Be the hive buzzes, hive whatever you call them, a hive. Um, but I really, I really hope that the conversation on social media around Starfield is like what we saw for Tears of the Kingdom, mm. where it's people showing off really unique things that happen to them while playing their game. Like I think Star, from the way that they talked about Starfield in that Xbox showcase, and the way that. Phil Spencer and like people who like have been showing up on um, the giant bomb cast, mm-hmm. for example, or the giant bomb couch, mm-hmm. for example, right? Like Phil saying that he's been playing this game since last uh, last fall and like, mm-hmm. you know, him being like, yo, it loves up Xbox talking about during their showcase that it's one of the most important RPGs ever made. And then that showcase being so in depth and showing all the different things that can happen and mm-hmm. all like a thousand planets you can go to and all this stuff, dude that game better have some staying power. Like, I, I better be playing that game for 80 hours and finding new content yeah. constantly, dude. And so, yeah, that's going to hopefully take up a lot of our time. Mm. Well, you brought up mm. uh, Tears of the Kingdom there, Bless. And uh, Gerard, you weren't uh, around for last uh, episode, but wanted to check in with you about your Tears of the Kingdom journey. How's it going, bud? I am about 280 hours in. I have oh all the Koroks, I have all of the shrines, I have all of the Addison signs solved, I have all of the wells, I uh, am right now clearing out the depths, which is the lower area, and I'm doing all the light routes and fighting every single Henox and Frox and Gleok and and Stalnox and every fucking boss with the health bar. And you made some of those up. I, I wish I was. <laughs> um, and uh, clearing out all the chests down there. And then I think once that is all done. Oh, I've done all. I have all the recipes for all the food. Mm-hmm. Uh I have heard, because I haven't beaten the game yet, narratively speaking, but I'm also like not that, 
I think like spoiler alert, Link saves the day, right? Like I'm not what? like that. I'm not like that. <laughs> what's going to happen too much? Um, but I have heard that when you beat Tears of the Kingdom, it shows you completion wise what's left on your map, on your menus and all that stuff, which for me makes me so happy because uh games don't do that enough and any game that's like hey good job you're making progress it's it feels good in my heart thank you um so yeah i'm excited to get to the end of that journey uh <laughs> it's it's that's been the game that i've been going back to in between everything like i completed street fighter 6 as best i could in 85 hours they went back to tears of the kingdom and then final fantasy 16 came out i put 84 hours into that and then i went back to tears of the kingdom and so i'm trying to oh and then also like resident evil 4 remake and now i'm trying to uh get that game done because wrestle quest and freaking sea of stars is right around the corner i'm sure. look august is so hyped for me mm. i know i'm a big indie game guy sea of stars chrono trigger it's gonna blow everyone's mind i i cannot wait um to to play that game uh and also wrestle quest because because i'm a wrestling guy and a mario rpg guy so uh i'm trying to get tears of the kingdom done and i just feel like i'm not i'm not it it's unattainable. I just, I keep reaching to be done and just, just, it's slowly, I'm just crawling to that finish line. I'm getting there. I believe in you. Yeah, Thank me too, you. Man. Thank you. Gonna I believe a, in you too. It's going to be a hell of a video. Yeah. I hope so. I'm here if you need to talk. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely going to need some therapy sessions after all of this. It's been, it's been a chunky year for games, my friends, yeah. and we're not, and it's we're about to hit the halfway has. mark, right? Like, I, yeah. oh, if you were like, Hey Gerard, how are you in January? I would say I'm dead space. How are you? You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, ask me later on. Oh, it's March. Oh yeah. I'm resident evil four. Nice to meet you. Like, I don't know time or space. It's, it's, I, it's, uh, I think you should leave. There's too much shit on me. <laughs> There's too much shit on me. There's too many games. There are oh. always, but uh, you, fin but you finished final fantasy 16. I mean, hang on, wait, do you want to check in? Uh, Ralph, you definitely finished. Bless if you finished Tears of the Kingdom. I finished, yeah, Tears yeah. of the Kingdom and Final Fantasy. Oh, nice. I haven't finished I'd either of them because I'm bad. Busy. Time doing, too busy. Oh, wait, I've been traveling as well. Sure. I was going to no, no, finish no, Final the... Fantasy last week and then I went away for a week instead. Yes. Gerard, you finished Final Fantasy and you, because we did a bit of a chat about it last week. Do you have any non spoiler thoughts you can share? Because Lucy hasn't finished it yet in your, because I watched your video. Uh, and you seem to like it overall. You seem to I, really I, enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, the the thing that like I didn't like, the one thing that really kind of like took the wind out of my sails was that some of the side quests I just didn't really. I'm like they all kind of build up to like making Clive and friends better characters in the end, right? Like you you care your level of investment, especially in the end game. The side quest you you get side quests with like Jill and jo and other people, and it feels good to like have those personal side quests. But the first in the beginning, it's like, hey Clive, go deliver some soup. Yeah, and you're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. I now guess deliver these apples. Now <laughs> deliver these apples. Yeah, and then later on, it's like. Hey, all of this crap happened, and now the side quests have some value. Go ahead and 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 do them. Um, and it just felt like the between the side quests and some of those cutscenes, you're just doing a lot of like listening, 
and reacting and taking it all in. And you have to really connect with the story. Otherwise, none of that's going to connect with you. But I will say, if you are someone who really loves the story, doing the side quests, especially right before you beat the game, just lets you digest the whole product so much nicer. This is one of the few games where completing it actually adds value to just beating the narrative. Um, you know, whether you're leading up to the ending or or the post credit stuff, like there are side quests that are dripping with lore and 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 and, allu- and alluding to certain aspects about the ending and stuff before and after. And you're just like, oh man, it feels good to complete it because you get rewarded in that way. And I really appreciated that. But yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been really interesting to see the discourse about it. Mm. It's 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 very not not drama y. It hasn't been like eating popcorn status, but it's been interesting to see so many people feel so different about it. Uh because I resonate with everyone's take just a little bit. And that was the hardest part about making a 51 minute video about a game that everyone's talking about because you're trying to find yourself and how you feel and how to sound different and and trying to give a unique perspective without saying game good, music good, you know, I had fun, right? Cutscene's good. Cutscene's good. Cut good. RPG yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Where did you where did you land on it, Blessing? Because we haven't spoken heard your thoughts on it. Oh, I really loved it. Yeah. Sure. Like for for me, the parts that hit about the game really hit um and for me that was the story that was the cinematics that was the lore and world building and how big the world feels but how they're able to tell a really focused story within that i thought they were able to manage that uh really good i really liked how they tackled a lot of the themes one thing i've been harping on like pre-release and even post-release right is like there is a lack of diversity Mm -hmm. uh, racially in the characters and it's a thing that bothers me a bit especially because a lot of the subject matter has to do with uh slavery and persecution and all that stuff uh and i think there is like still a lot of missed opportunity there but that said the way they handle that um subject matter despite that is done with like it's it's done like fairly it's done in a way that's like damn y'all really went for it um in some places right like some of those side quests where they are showing how they're treating uh some of the characters based on their class is like dude man, this is dark, this is real, like, I can't believe you're taking it there. And they really do take it there. And that was something that really impressed me coming out of a uh, out of Square Enix and out of a JRPG and out of Final Fantasy in particular. Um, that I thought was cool. Clive as a character I fell in love with. Um, and I, again, like, I was not expecting that going into the game. You know, I saw the trailers. I thought he was just going to be, you know, a tough Final Fantasy dude with a mark on his face. All right, cool. But the more you learn about that character and his motivations, man, I think they did such a phenomenal job bu- uh, building him up and the performance from Ben Starr, I thought knocked it out of the park along with uh, my guy, Sid, like Sid sure. is oh, my, probably my favorite character in that game. He is so good and he's very hot. Um, Too hot. But like, the, and then, how far, hang on, how far into the game are you, Lucy? Oh, I'm way, way past. Uh, I'm at like the Titan stuff. Okay, right, got it. Okay, yeah. right, okay, okay, because okay, yeah. oh, there's like, ugh, damn, I really want to have like a spoiler discussion about different elements of it. Where we I'm can like, do it oh, when you get back. So much to talk I'll, about I'll have finished it. By All right, the time okay, we get cool. Back. We can do it. Yeah, then. cool, cool. But yeah, dude, the, in the con, the, the one more thing I'll comment on too is the combat. Like the combat is 
um, really fun in that game. And the combat system grows over time mm-hmm. in a way that I really got to appreciate. At first, I thought it was simple. But once they started adding in more elements, it actually grows to be to um, allow you to feel like you can really own the way in which you approach the combat. And that I really appreciated mm-hmm. as well. Like I, 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 like I have some things here and there. And I think a lot of people have the same thing where, you know, I think the side quests could be um, a bit repetitive, especially when it is go over here, fight thing, talk to person. So, yeah. I'll go over here get the thing fight the thing and like it's very much structured in a way that feels repetitive um and then also uh yeah like rpg wise right like but my it's that it's that tough thing when you're reviewing and talking about a game where for me i can i have to review the game that they gave me and i can't review like what the game isn't i gotta review what it is mm-hmm. and so like final fantasy 16 for me isn't an rpg really like it has rpg elements but you know, I look at God of War, the recent ones, it's more of an RPG than f- even Final Fantasy 16, right? Like, it is so rpg light, and I know that's not going to speak to everybody. Um, it spoke to me in this Final Fantasy game, but I wouldn't want them to do this again for Final Fantasy 17. Like, yeah. I'd like them to go back to more, um, like heavy deep rpg mechanics as opposed to being way more character action-y, but I think for what they did here, it worked, and I had a lot of fun with it. Hell yeah. Oh, God, I... And I know I just took a week off, but I was, you know, genuinely being a little tourist. And I didn't, I only took my Steam Deck with me. I'll talk about what I was playing. But, like, I wish I just had the time just to sit down for a week, just finish Tears of the Kingdom, finish Final Fantasy XVI. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm That's still- not a week. That's, like, three weeks right there you described. You know? Yeah, yeah that's but a while. I live and work in America. <laughs> you don't get vacation like that. Sure, sure, of course. Um, no, absolutely. Uh, so that was our yeah. little. Also, the cinematics in that game. Oh, are ridiculous, aren't they? Yeah, like, totally. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It's fucking incredible, dude. Yes. Blessing, you hit the nail on the head. There's that one. There's two, two side quests that take place like right smack down the middle of the game, where you think you're like trying to save a little girl's like puppy or animal, and uh, and then there's also the boy who is like mm. doing something, oh, yeah. and you're like. Yep. Oh man, I'm helping them, and both quests are back to back, and th- that yeah. was the moment. Dude, it is like that whole area is just bad vibes. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, this is, is very this, bad. This vibes. is where the rich of the rich of the rich live, and they yeah. are weird and scary. Yes. <laughs> yep. yep. Yes. Michelle. Well, uh, we've got uh, a couple of listener questions or user questions. The users. Uh, the users of FPS. Uh, if you have a user question, uh, email it to contact at friendsperseconde.com. Uh, this one is from Lukita. Thank you. For, thanks for writing in. I always wanted to be like a like an agony aunt. Maybe <laughs> another one. As a casual gamer, I especially have trouble finishing games. I hear that. Uh, maybe I don't like the feeling of ending a video game that I enjoyed or the time or the game downright got boring for me towards the end. I often have to step away from playing for some time and come back after a while to finish it. Being in the video game industry, have you guys ever felt burned out from video games in general or having trouble playing a specific game, even one that you enjoyed till the end? This feels like a question for Gerard specifically. I know nothing about that at all. I would never (laughs) comment on that. I love everything. Uh, Oh, man. Um, Absolutely, I feel burnt out, casually and professionally. I think think what makes it exciting to finish a game is stuff like FPS itself, right? Bringing friends together to discuss it. Um, I have a lot of friends. I haven't played Diablo 4 yet. Because I'm trying to 
get Tears of the Kingdom done. And uh, all of my high school pals who I haven't talked to in years are texting me and and telling me they're playing Diablo 4 and how excited they are and how they can't wait for me to play it and party up with them. And I feel like that's kind of the 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 exciting thing that gets me through playing a tough game. Um, Callisto Protocol was another one. I started playing it and was like, I don't know if I like this. Mm. And I just remember talking to Ralph and Susie and them going, yeah, this is not... This is not what it is. This is not and, good. and just having that that little connection is what like revitalized me to go, oh, okay, cool. So it's not, it's like, it's almost like you're having a meal together and the meal's not good or the meal is amazing and you just can't stop talking about how great the meal is, if you will. Um, but I mean, absolutely, there are games that you just get burnt out on, games that you forget about because there's too many new games coming out or games that just feel like they're never ending, you know? And, and I think like the best way to kind of, quantify that in my opinion and and justify your time is a simple question are you having fun mm. if you're if not having fun put it down and come back to it later or don't come back to it if it's not if you're not having that much fun that's that's where i'll leave it the nickel yeah i think to, on that on that note too like i think that even applies to good games uh not having fun like there's a game uh that i haven't beaten yet uh uh what was it star wars star wars jedi survivor oh, i've not neither. beaten yet oh. yeah like i started it during the review period i got halfway through mm-hmm. and i realized like the way the way it was running during that time just like yeah. was campering a bit of my enjoyment and then also i got the code in for zelda and it was like all right peace out <laughs> i'm sorry star wars i gotta i got a job to do and i started playing zelda but then um last week you know, like as I've been talking about, right? Like the video game releases have slowed a bit out of the barrage of video games that we just gotten, and so I was, I thought, oh yeah, what a better time to boot back up Jedi Survivor, and I started playing it, and I realized that like I just wasn't having fun, and that's not because it's a bad game. Maybe, I, maybe a year from now, I realize that it was bad, and I just I come to that conclusion. But I don't think that's a bad game, right? I think that's more so just what am I in? What am I into right now? What is my mood? Like, what is my vibe? Is this fitting my vibe? And I don't it just wasn't right so I went back to playing more Street Fighter um you know like and I think we just have seasons as gamers sometimes of what we're in the mood for and what we feel like playing like I've been on a big Street Fighter and inscription kick out of nowhere mm. and it's been it's been doing the job right I've been having a lot of fun with that and then maybe maybe weeks from now I'll be into like a bigger action game but you got I think you got to pace yourself and really speak to what you want to play and don't make yourself play things because you want to keep up with the the catalog of releases. Yeah. For me, it's also um, not to be a downer, but it's very mental health dependent too. Cause when I'm particularly depressed, um, my attention span gets even worse and I genuinely just feel like I have cotton wool in my head and I can't focus on things. And so sometimes even, sometimes games can be very, very helpful. Sometimes a lot of like, you know, when we joke about like Lucy Ars games, like stuff like Stardew or Dave the Diver, it's because those gameplay loops are so short and so, um, you know, they're hitting that dopamine. They are rewarding you. Like you see the numbers go up and it's very quickly, um, you're kind of getting through things and succeeding and growing or whatever. So sometimes those kind of, those kind of games can really help. But then there are games like Zelda where, you can make your own success in it, but overall, the grander success comes from beating a the fire temple or whatever, or beating Ganon. And so, if the distance from 
me succeeding to this successful act is too long, then I can definitely fall off. And that's why I'll drop off things and kind of go in favor of, I'm going to keep mentioning Dave the Diver or like Dredge <laughs> or something like that, you know? Um, so it kind of depends. But also I totally get wanting to just talk about things with a lot of people. I'm very lucky too that the vast majority of my friends are in gaming. And so even if I'm not playing it, I feel like I can get the secondhand enjoyment from listening to you guys talk about it or listening to a podcast and hearing other people talk about it. And then I'll put it on my list and then I'll inevitably forget about it. But, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I or uh, echo all of the above, agreed. I think there's a different dimension to me as well because I play like Destiny, for example, a live service game. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a whole other equation to think about when it comes to these sorts of like the, the fun factor because you feel it at some times with these experiences that you've committed to for the long term. And then other times you don't feel it. And you're just like, oh man, I've got to play some Destiny because I need to get this thing and earn that thing. And if I don't do this quest this week, then I miss it because it's on a four week rotation and I have to wait four weeks for it. There are certain triumphs that I've missed that I can't earn for another year because they are seasonal triumphs. The fucking seasonal season pass thing. If you don't finish that up now, you can't get all the cosmetics in the future because they're only available during the season. There's all that sort of stuff, which I think applies a level of pressure that I have been fine with to this point. But I think I'm just reaching a point with Destiny now for the first time since I've come back, which was like two and a half years ago, where I'm like, okay, probably need to just take a bit of a break from Destiny right now because I'm not really having a lot of fun. That's not an indictment on Destiny. Like it's not saying Destiny sucks now, guys. It's really just a case of I've been playing it really hard for two and a bit years and it's not hitting like it was. I need to listen to that and just step off and take a break. And I'm going to go play some Diablo, you know, because I'm actually really enjoying Diablo right now. And funnily enough, that was a point that uh, Blizzard made today. Like they're oh, yeah. out there today talking about the fact that they want people to take a break from Diablo as well. They're like, you're meant to finish the job. You're meant to level up characters and have them done. And then you take a break ready for the next season or ready for the next content mm -hmm. drop. It's similar to what Yoshi P was, was always saying with Final Fantasy XIV as well. It's a healthy relationship to a game uh, that I think it's good that developers remind us about that stuff as well. Because if they create in players the expectation that there is this endless content wheel that you should be running on, then we're always going to get pissed off and burned out for whatever reason, you know? So... Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely how I am approaching that question now with Destiny. And um, yeah, but I, everything else you guys said, I agree with as well. Of course, it's fun to play good games that are fun and it's shitty to play bad games that you need to finish because <laughs> it's a review. It <laughs> yeah. really fucking blows. There's nothing worse than playing a bad game that you have to finish for a review. But, you know, it is what it is. Isn't that like, I mean, it kind of reminds me, isn't that the thing for gambling? It's like when the fun stops, stop. Goes the same for video games. <laughs> is that is that or is that is for gambling? Yeah, just so. exactly. How about we just keep going, double or nothing? Let's, Let's try see. it. Yeah, yeah. When, the, when the fun stops, that's when you're just beginning. <laughs> All right, you got to make that money back. <laughs> that's a neat segue <laughs> going to this, your millionaire to this week's sponsor, some casino or some crypto betting <laughs> garbage. Right? Let's slot it in. Let's do the sponsor bit for some casino. No, that'll never happen, thankfully. No. But we do have a sponsor break, though. Don't we, we do. Lose? We do. And yeah. uh, now, word from our sponsors. Gerard, you and I, we're gamers. We don't hydrate properly. If anything, we're a little crusty. Sorry to say it. But hydration is so important. It's good for, obviously, your body, keeping things moving, and, of course, your skin and hair and making you all look and feel good. 
But especially in our line of work, if it's not like a long gaming session, a long day at work or working at conventions, you know, you're hanging out on your feet all day, you're seeing games, you're talking to people, you go out at night, have a couple drinks the next morning, you do it all over again. It's very important to stay hydrated. Which is why we're very happy to say that this episode of the Friends Per Second Podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV, the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients. Now, for those of you who are confused, (laughs) uh, vitamins for us in the States is vitamins. Just to, I know there's a a boundary (laughs) issue, but I want to be clear. It is vitamins for the U.S., vitamins for anyone else who (laughs) is into vitamins. It's vitamins and nutrients, uh, and it hydrates two times faster than water alone. Uh, Gerard, we have a bunch of flavors uh, available. I've got here the lemon lime, which is my personal favorite. Uh, what, What are you enjoying? So I also I we, so they sent all of us the white peach, green grape, and lemon lime. Um, and I haven't. I just prepared a bottle. They sent me. Uh, they sent all of us a water bottle, which is really cool. And it's one of those like always stay cold bottles. Um, and so now I've I've been mixing it up for a little bit. I'm gonna try the lemon lime because I I do love me a good lemon lime me lemonade too. flavor kind of drink. Me too. Uh, especially especially when it comes to water. It it. it Water is water alone can get boring. So a little bit of lemon, a little bit of lime makes it work. Let's see what this does for me. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm on board. This is this is this is the exact kind of stuff I'd like to put in water. That's not overbearing. The flavor is really nice. It definitely has a lemonade, Mm -hmm. uh, more more lemonade than lime. But it's 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 pretty good. I can I can get myself. I'm I'm onto this. This is this is sick. I like this. Hell yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, there used to be like this lemon lime cordial that I used to drink when I was a kid and can't get it over here, but this actually tastes exactly like it. So I like it a lot. Real flavor, real hydrating, now sugar-free. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free, in bulk, nationwide at Costco. Or if you're a fan of the podcast, you want to help us out. Go get 20% off at liquidiv.com and use codes FRIENDS at checkout. That's 20% off anything when you use promo code FRIENDS, that's F-R-I-E-N-D-S, at L-I-Q-U-I-D-I-V.com. Hell yeah. All right, let's talk about what we have all been playing uh blessing what about you what have you been hitting up recently uh i've i'm still on that street fighter train mm-hmm. uh i've been super hooked on it this is my now it's not my first street fighter but this is the one that i've been into the most and it's this is this, this has been the one where i've been trying to be all in on it because typically with fighting games I am more of a Tekken person. I am more of a Mortal Kombat person. I am more of a Dragon Ball Z person when it comes to fighting games. Um, but this Street Fighter was the one that from the get-go, I was like, oh, this looks really cool. And I played the open beta, um, or I played the betas last year when they were going, and I really enjoyed those. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. I'm going to play Street Fighter, and I'm going to hopefully like get good in it and play online and do all that stuff. And it's been such a gratifying experience playing and actually feeling myself getting better at the game and slowly rising up the ranks. Like I'm not super high ranked or anything. Like I have my uh, two mains. Uh, I've been playing a lot as Luke, who is the sort of the 
main character that they've introduced in this one, like the new face of Street Fighter that's not Ryu or Ken. Um, you know, he plays a little bit similar to, to them, but he has his own flair as well. And he's like more of this jock guy with extremely large forearms. Um, and he says, let's go a lot. He's that guy <laughs> that you like. He's that guy from high school who you're like, oh, this guy's an asshole. But the more you get to know him, you're like, oh, actually, he's kind of cool. Oh, he's a himbo. Um, he oh, one thousand percent. OK, I'm <laughs> yeah. in. OK. Yeah, he's a himbo and he's my himbo because I've been, he's my he's my in gold rank two right now for me. And I've been really enjoying using him and then also kimberly uh is one of the other new characters that they've introduced as well and i've been using her a lot but man is this game fun and it just doesn't stop being fun and it's gotten to the point now where uh, like i mentioned earlier i tr- i went to seattle over the weekend and i was sad to be leaving my home <laughs> that had street fighter <laughs> in it to go hang out in seattle and while i was in seattle i was like i was thinking about street fighter and thinking about like mechanics that I was trying to learn and I'll scroll on TikTok and I'll come across Street Fighter TikToks and I'm like, oh, that's neat. And I'll I'll um, bookmark them so I can come back to them later. And now that I'm go- I'm about to go to LA for a week, I'm like, fuck. Maybe <laughs> are you I should playing on my PS- Steam Are you playing on PS5 or PC? I'm playing on PS5. Right. I legit requested a PC version so I can sure. play on Steam Deck for when I travel. I was going to say, yeah, just play it on <laughs> Steam Deck, man. That's what the fuck. Come on. It's easy. Yeah. It runs really well. well it was, it's, it's more so the... um the like online ranking like i want to do that on my ps5 mm-hmm. console because that's like my home console sure. and then also i don't have ethernet for my steam deck and sure. so i don't want to play online without ethernet because doing that with fighting games is a nightmare and oh, then yeah, also yeah, just yeah. feels the- it's a whole thing yeah but no, of course i, I get it i, I think, get it i think i think though that it might be a fidget spinner situation where i'll just mess around with street fighter yeah on my steam deck when i'm away from home right i'll just hang out in the training mode and just like try combos or whatever going into um, the lab man get some lab hours going to the lab yeah are you are you guys in a street fighter have you guys checked it out i no, haven't Stratus. yet um i'm i think we're doing something with work with street fighter so i'm staying isn't like a cool new series that we're doing but it requires me to uh be taught street fighter uh right so, so let me guess tam gonna teach you street fighter yeah he? well tam's getting yeah. taught by <laughs> justin wong on a stream this week so I, like if i'm learning from anyone technically i'm learning from justin <sighs> wong by tam but no tam sure. is we had we had street fighters we have a big cabinet in the office <clears throat> where we have a pc and we had street fighter on there and i did have a little go it was i i have always been kind of scared of fighting games just because they are so technical and you know picture like pixel perfect kind of stuff and so i was kind of afraid of it about trying it and then yeah i was playing and i was having a go and tam told me a couple moves i was like oh no i can see myself (laughs) getting into this Um, but yeah ask me in a couple weeks and i will i will let you know about my street fighter journey but it's been really cool i mean like this is one hell of a year for fighting game fans like totally isn't oh like all, every fighting game series other than like soul caliber getting a new entry this yep. year <laughs> yeah if not, if I mean, that's not, what it feels like if yeah. not this year very very early into next year as yeah. well because i don't yeah. think tekken 8 has a release date yet oh, okay i thought tekken 8 was this year it has this year vibes but i guess maybe not because if, yeah. if it's not coming yeah. like it hasn't been I mean, announced for it, this year already then no probably not typically it's not gonna date but also i think yeah. evo's coming up and i could see something happening at evo oh yeah oh yeah big time it, Typically speaking, Street or Tekken comes out with uh, an arcade platform in Japan first, and then it gets a console release. I don't know if it's gonna be different this time around, especially because it's pretty cool that they do that. I respect yeah. that. I respect that they keep that. That's yeah. nice. I hope they continue that tradition. Yeah, but uh, yeah. 
Blessing, if you ever want to play, let me know. I'm down. I, pl I play a very scary geef. Uh... And oh, every it, geef is scary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and I've also been playing a ton of Marissa. Oh, she is oh you're the worst. <laughs> you're oh, my yeah. worst enemy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't jump. Stop jumping. Don't jump. That's that's what I'll teach oh, you to man. do. Don't jump. <laughs> Don't jump. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, bless For what sure. And yeah, to like... Oh, okay. Um. Well, first, oh, to real quick, yeah, to the fighting <laughs> game thing. It's I've been eating, dude. Like, yeah, Street Fighter has been great. Mortal Kombat one looks incredible, and that's coming out this fall. And then yeah, Tekken. Like I said, I'm a, I'm usually more of a Tekken person, mm. and that seems like it's gonna come out sooner than later. I, I I would hope next year. I don't need it coming out next to Mortal Kombat because that might just break me. Um. And also, I want Tekken Eight to win Best Fighting Game if it comes out next year. <laughs> um. And so yeah, but yeah, I've also been playing Inscription, which is old. And I and old as in like it's two years old, right? It's not like super old or anything, but it's old to me, right? Because I played I played it first when it came out, um, and I played only a few hours and liked it, but then um, fell off of it pretty quickly. And then I went back to it a year ago, played it, and fell in love with it. Beat it, did all that stuff. And um, lately, I've been talking to my friend Sarah, who's an artist, uh, and like we've been going back and forth about this idea to make a card game, and like. I just for inspiration, I was like, oh, let me pick up Inscription because Inscription is like one of my at this point, one of my favorite card games. And when I tell you that it got its hooks it into me, like right back into me and pulled me right back in. And now I just can't stop on the Inscription train where, uh, of course, if you somehow missed out on an Inscription, it's a card game, roguelite. Um, it had it's also like kind of an escape room as well, right? Like you go into this game and it's very spooky, and you're playing cards with this um, game master, and then like you can walk around the room, and there are card game elements that then interact with the escape room elements and vice versa. But then it's also a roguelite. Like it's so much put into one, and it's designed so smartly and the twists and turns are so magnificent and i think it is i think it is excellence in video game design and creation um but they have this mode called um casey's mod that just lets you play just the card game and that's what i've been doing and the further you get through casey's mod um like every time you beat the roguelite run you then unlock new modifiers to make the game more difficult and so I've been really enjoying that aspect. Um, I've been playing through that the first time uh, for the first time, and man, has it been fun! And man, like, have they found a good balance of making me feel like I'm play I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh again? Because I used to love Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid, right? And I love like the idea of oh man, you don't know what's in the other person's hand, but I play this thing at the last moment and it saves my game. Um, Inscription, I think, kind of curates for those moments a bit, and then also. Just the vibes are so good, man. It mm. is so spooky. It is so like it is drenched in atmosphere and vibe, and it does such a good job of pulling you into its world. And I've been I've been falling in love with it um, over again. So much so that I'm like, dude, Inscription must be a top fifteen, top ten game for me at this point. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been back to doing. Yeah, I've always wanted to go because I played Inscription and I got to the point where it just started to get weird. And I was like, okay, this is the part I've heard about. It's getting weird now. Let's go. But then I just got busy with other things and I had to stop. But like, yeah, I, I understood the basics of the card game. I understood the basics of the setting. And I was like, yeah, this is really well put together. And I'm just really, I always kick myself that I didn't spend more time pushing through it. I will yeah. go back to it at some point. Like I've got it installed on all my devices all the time. That's generally the measure of, that's how I manage my backlog. I just keep it installed on every device I own, hoping that at some point I'll be able to do it. 
But um, it won so many like game of the year nods. Mm. You know, it it definitely got the recognition that it deserves. And uh, yeah, it's I, something I really, really would like to would like to put time into at the, some point. The thing that that got me in for uh, an inscription, I think in particular, that separated it from other things for me was how satisfying and how quick the deck building is. Because mm. um, that's when I started to really understand like what was working about it is the fact that as you're going through this um, game world, you're making the decision of what the next thing you should do is between like, do I want to go to this symbol, which will then let you power up one of your cards? Or do I want to go here, which will let me pick a random card or do whatever? And with, with each of those movements, you are making a decision to power up your deck and every run is different and like i think the thing that works about it so well is that it almost asks you to cheat at, like to cheat the game you know it like like you have opportunities to make a card that is just op and it is so satisfying when you get there when you're like okay i have this thing and if i take like this effect that lets me like go around other cards to hit the other the opponent directly and then combine it with this other thing that like gives me th plus three attack and then combine it with this other thing that like you know if i once i play this card a copy of it gets played in my hand like i i love those weird um like th three-dimensional or four-dimensional chess sort of plays and yeah like i i it's such a satisfying game game to play and i don't know if i'm ever gonna at this point put it down like i think it might be that game that I come back to whenever I get bored. I'm like, you know what? Let's do another round of inscription. It's starting to feel like that for me. And Pretty I highly recommend, yeah, like get back to it, dude. Like yeah, if yeah. you have the chance, speaking, uh, get back to inscription. Speaking of card games, do you actually, do you play Marvel Snap? I, dude, I, uh, I played it when it came out and right. I really liked it when it came yeah. out. And then yeah. I picked it up again last week. Cause oh, okay. for that same reason of wanting to get inspired and wanting to like get into sure. another card game, all my progress was gone. What? Like oh, I started it wow. and it, not, it put me right. right into the tutorial. No, yeah, that's and I don't right. know what it is. Yeah, that's like, weird. Mm. Wait, did you? Maybe buy I have anything? to play through the tutorial and. Uh no. Okay, good. Like, I never if bought you, anything if you, from if you Marvel. Bought stuff and it reset. You, we we playing during the beta shit. period and then it wiped. Like we playing during beta and then. Maybe that's when what was beta because I, I, I don't know the dates when I was playing it. When I was playing it, I was I'm pretty sure it had fully launched. Okay. Okay. That's weird. Yeah, because like the there was like a, the battle pass that was going and all, and, okay. and all of that. All right, all um, right. I have no idea. I, I didn't get a new phone or anything. I just had sure. to boot it up in months. Oh, and so yeah, I booted it up. Everything gone. Um, may, maybe if I get through the, t the tutorial, it'll let me log in. But it's just weird. Like it's making me redo all these matches to like set up the game, and it's a lot when yeah. you first boot up the game. Yeah, so it like, is actually it I, is a lot. Yeah. I don't feel like going through all those matches. Um, yeah, and I've sure. tried looking it up. I couldn't find much about people having the same thing. So yeah, no. okay. I don't know. Yeah. If you're if you're out there and you've had the same thing happen to you on Android, uh, and you have a solution <laughs> at Blessing Junior, tweet at me. <laughs> well, yeah. The only time that happened to me was when I was logged in. Like I, I logged into the I changed phones, whatever. Logged in and it didn't log me into the right account, and so oh, that was the because it automatically assigns you based upon whatever. And I actually was like, well, actually, no, I have this other email address. So that was it. But uh, but yeah, I would recommend checking that out as well because I continue to put a lot of time into that game. I think it's yeah, really Hell solid. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, bless. Speaking of card games, very quickly. Are you interested mm. in Lord of the Rings Magic the Gathering? Because we're doing a draft at work. <laughs> I've, I've never been into Magic. Me neither. Nor Lord of the Rings. Oh. I know you're a big Lord of the Rings person. Um, oh, man. You don't have to answer Talk right to now. me after the show because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could be convinced. I could be convinced is what I'll say. Okay. 
Thursdays. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, what have you been playing? Um, right now, I just I've been very busy doing stuff or like getting ready to ship off for this holiday. Uh, so I, but when in my time, I actually have been playing Diablo, and I've been continuing to play a lot of Diablo. Uh, and I just hit World Tier Four which is like the nightmare tier. And I did that at level 57 when it's meant to be at level 70. So oh, I was got dying a gamer a over here. Well, no, Ooh. it was because I found some really cheesy build that oh. let me do lots of damage. Mm-hmm. But if I got hit, I instantly died, right? So oh, wow. basically was just running around cheesing it to be able to push into that highest tier. Um, but the more I play Diablo, the more impressed I am by it. I think I definitely don't agree with a lot of its choices for sure. I think it's quite a rigid game in terms of it's like the way it funnels you into certain play styles. So first of all, none of you are playing Diablo 4, are you? Not right now. I just no. started and okay. I'm only, I'm level 12, barbarian. Right. I'm 20. Yeah, just okay. starting now. Sure. Did you play it at all, Bless? Uh, Diablo, no. I, oh, okay. I didn't get it. Well, actually, no. I, play, I played four hours of it and sure. I, I, I kind of just fell off. Just cause, Is this not your yeah, type it's of not, game? It's not my kind of game. Sure. Yeah, I got... I really wanted it to be because um, yep. I hadn't played a Diablo before and I've heard pe- right. so many people talk about it. And then I start, I started it and was like, all right, I, res- I respect <sighs> this so much, but my brain just doesn't work with, with this kind of game. Interesting. Yeah. My brain just like feeds off this shit, man. Uh, it's terrible. And so, yeah, like I basically have, uh, you know, finished campaign. I've now like I've done all the map, a lot of the map clearing stuff because a lot of it is about just like going to a place unlocking the map space so it's ticked off there's like statues of lilith all around the map Mm. and i've just been collecting all of those doing side quests i basically because if you clear the map it makes it easier for your next characters and it gives them bonus stats and bonus stuff when they start and so i'm really keen to do that because i would like to roll new characters i would like to do the seasonal content and that was just announced as well that kicks off on the 20th of july and that adds some new mechanics and whatever else and some story beats I'm actually really interested in the idea of a live service Diablo um, because I just think it makes sense. Like it's already been that in a way with Diablo 3 uh, and they've had a lot of practice, a lot of run up towards this moment. But I think this type of game really benefits from that content cadence. Um, and and also the microtransactions to this point, like at this point, it's just cosmetics. The cosmetics really suck. They're like shit. You look at them and you're like, I'm not paying for that. And even if they, it, and the crazy thing is, they're like forty dollars as well, right? It's like it's wild. The pricing is ridiculous, and they aren't even good. And it's kind of like, so that's why I'm actually a little bit worried in the sense that I can't imagine that many people are spending money on this stuff at this point. And I wonder how much the executives are going to be like, aha, we're making X millions of dollars a day over on Immortal. Eh, we're not making money over here. Someone should fix this. And then it suddenly gets worse. I definitely expect that something like that will happen with Diablo. Because right now, the monetization is so limited that it feels too good to be true for an Activision Blizzard product. Let me put it that way, right? Um, Such and, a damning sentence. But it's but true, I get though. It. Like, come on, it's real. Like, you know, Bobby Kotick took home like $150 million in 2021. He did it for a reason. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. So, so I think that's going to get worse. There is a season pass coming, which obviously you will pay for. But again, I never mind... I know some people are really vehemently against season passes and whatever. I actually am okay with it because like if you are legitimately delivering me new content at a regular cadence and it's decent content, I don't mind spending $10 a month on that. I really don't. You know, I mean, I grew up though with World of Warcraft 
where I would pay back in the day, we were paying $15 a month for that game, you know, and that was just to be able to log into it. And then you had to buy the expansion as well. And obviously there would be like, you know, new raid drops and whatever else every couple of months. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm okay with paying for a game that continues to service me well. And I, and I don't find season part price, a season pass pricing to be quite, to be egregious. I think cosmetic prices are egregious. They're ridiculous. They're laughable. But $10 for a season of content that includes plenty of new reasons to keep playing, that part has always been a good deal in my book, especially in the likes of Destiny. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, Diablo, uh, its endgame stuff is is interesting. Um, I think there's more than enough there as a launch product. I'm, mm-hmm. like, really surprised by how much there is, in fact, as a launch product. Uh, I, I remember Diablo 3. Did you guys play Diablo 3 at launch? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tried that to. Was- yeah, well, yeah, we'll was, try to. <laughs> try to. There was nothing there at that end game, man. It was fucking nothing. And it was so busted. Everything about that was terrible. And this is just the polar opposite to that. There are so many different end game activities, at least three core loops plus PvP, plus this like nightmare uh, dungeon progression, which keeps scaling up, plus just getting one character up to max level and really having a good go of it. You're looking at probably 70 to 80 hours for one character. And there's five classes to start. If you want to do that five times through, mm. I mean, there's a lot of value there for that that asking price. Like I continue to be stunned actually by how much video game Blizzard have delivered here for this asking price. I think bang for buck, I haven't played a better value game this year other than Tears of the Kingdom, which mm. is value in a different way, yeah. right? Uh, because it's kind of like the amount of experimentation and expo- exploration you can do in Tears of the Kingdom is unparalleled. With here, though, in Diablo, it's just a lot of different video game, like characters, classes, map to explore, builds you can unlock, in-game activities to do, PvP shit, right? I think it's pretty unparalleled in 2023 for the volume of content that it's served up, which I never would have expected. I really wouldn't have expected that. Like, it's just... um I mean, I think most AAA games, live service, they launch very lean. They hold a lot back because they're mm-hmm. like, nah, we'll sell that later. I don't think Blizzard held much back here. Some, sure, but like on the whole, not much. They really just put a lot out there for that asking price. And I respect it. So um, yeah, man, that's kind of what I've been on this week, actually. Just a lot of Diablo when I had the time. Nice. And uh and Marvel Snap, as always. <laughs> just just that's just tug chugging along when I have a quiet moment. So you know what actually you know what I bought? What? I bought Octopath 2. Okay. I haven't oh. yeah, I haven't um I haven't played it okay. yet, but I bought I booted it up and I just did like a character selection and then I had to stop. But it's been a long time since I played these like old school, you know, JRPG kind of games. Final Fantasy got me thinking about it. It wasn't Final Fantasy didn't make me think, oh, I'd like to go back and play an old school turn-based game. But it was more a case of like, there's been a lot of chatter about those sorts of experiences when we talk about Final Fantasy. And so that chatter, coupled with the fact that I've only heard really good things about Octopath, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give that a bit of a try. I did look up the average playthrough time though. 70 hours and i'm like oh okay you're going away for a month you're fine oh yeah sure absolutely yeah, just take if a I week do- off <laughs> yeah exactly um so that's a lot but i'm actually interested to see and like i think that'll probably be 
the way I approach most JRPGs these days, which is I will start them. I will put like 20 hours into it. I will understand what it is. And I, then I will spend the rest of my life wishing I could play more of it like because I won't have time to play more of it. That's essentially my relationship with Persona and like Xenoblade, which I love. And fucking every, like, it's just how I go with JRPGs because I, I really Listen, like like them, but just the time is, is a lot. If if you want to save some time and play a similar sort of RPG that won't take you seventy hours, there's sure. this game called Live Alive that came out sure. last year. Live yeah, of course. Yeah. I I fucking loved Live Alive. Um, obviously, like same art style, right? It's coming sure. from the same team, but Live Alive is the new one is a remake of the Super Nintendo game, mm. and it like it has such a quirky, interesting energy to it that reminds me of like the Earthbounds or Undertales of the world. But also, it also has its own thing that it's doing, where you know every it's like Octopath, where you have a bunch of different characters to choose from. You're playing through their stories, and mm. it's almost more anthology at first, where the um, each story takes place in its own time. And so there's like a caveman story that you can play that's like an hour and a half long or there's a space robot story that you can play that's like a similar amount of time right or there's a samurai story and there's a handful of them and they're each they're each of them are pretty fun and like really quirky and like have a good sense of humor fantastic soundtrack the composer was um yoko shimamura <gasps> who did um yeah who did like kingdom hearts, kingdom hearts and yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Done, she's done Super plenty Mario of RPG? stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, like a wonderful game. And it, for me, similar as you, I was kind of looking for a JRPG that brought me back to sort of yeah. that classic vibe, and mm-hmm. it, it got the job done, dude. And so, nice. if you're looking, yeah. just, and it's like what thirty hours long. And yeah, so right. Because a bit I think, shorter. I think I heard you were talking about that last. Did you do a dedicated video on it? Did I? I did. That? I did a dedicated yeah. TikTok on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I saw something from you. And on at that. the time, yeah. at the time, I think I even said it was like it was a game of the year contender for me. Like right. I liked yeah. it that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Now that's a good call. That's that's, a, that's exclusive to Switch, Switch. Though, right? It is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. It might for have now. Came it was for now. Forms? For was, I didn't think it was on PC. I'm pretty sure it's a Switch exclusive. Um. So for now, yeah, I think it's oh, for, for now. now. For now, uh, uh, well, Octopath. when you go to the platform, oh wait, hang on, live alive. Wait, wait, yeah, let me see it here. It's on, it's on PC. It's on. Oh. It's on other things. It's on PlayStation okay. as well. Yeah, oh, cool, awesome. I didn't know that. All right, sweet. I think it may have been a Switch exclusive for a bit. I think yeah. it was. I think you're right. That's yeah. the same, it, that was the launched, same with Octopath as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not on Xbox. It looks like. It oh. looks like it came to PlayStation Xbox. this last um April. God damn, man. It's so, bum- it really bums me out how, because I every week I do shout outs for like, what's coming out this week? It's a JRPG. It's coming to PlayStation, PC, and Switch. And yep. get fucked, Xbox. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, it just never release any JRPGs on Xbox. It's crazy hey, the degree Persona's to which. on there now. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah, that's Eventually. one, right? It's one. Yeah. I'm sure, just, I'm sure Japan exists somewhere in Starfield. There's a thousand planets. <laughs> One of them might be Earth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It really just... I really feel like if you're a JRPG fan with only an Xbox, you bought the wrong console, man. Yeah. It's it's a shame. It's yeah. a real shame. Phil's trying to fix it, though. Hopefully, he hopefully, he, achi- hopefully he gets the job done. It'd be nice. He's doing, if- he's doing his best. He's trying. I mean, yeah. they, had, they, announced the, they announced that new Persona... Well, game from... You're right. Um, That's, Atlas. Um, they had re- that the new metaphor Capcom Fantasio. game. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Refantasio? Re- yeah. That can't be it. The, yeah, it's um, Metaphor, Refantasio, and the other one is the Capcom go. game that Path looked like it was on. Yeah, on it looked like it was on Imusha, and we're like, yeah. oh my god, it's on Imusha, and that's like, no, it's not. It's something else. So weird what is strategy it? Something action? We game. don't know. 
We have yeah. no idea. But I've never fine. like I've never seen gameplay where I'm like I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, yeah, like no. they, they literally showed us everything, and I'm sitting, I'm still sitting here like I don't I don't know how to describe this game. Yeah, I guess it's strategy, but also action. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Gerard, what about you? What you been playing? Oh man, I mean. Feel like I've just been playing Tears of the Kingdom for many, many months, and that's basically it. No, I just obviously just finished up Final Fantasy 16. Um, Street Fighter's been my fallback game, and I've been and oh, I've yeah. been t- tipping my toe in Diablo 4, just getting ready to kind of push into that. Um, although I will say, I've recently been playing Banjo Kazooie just because it's one of my favorite games of all time, and it just recently had its. It's 25th anniversary a couple days ago, so I've just been, you know, same age as uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> what? Yeah. what did you say? It's a bad callback. What did, what? <laughs> what did you I say? Said, <laughs> I said it's the same age as Indiana Jones. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Sure. I was yeah. Like, what? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I get into the zone of I replay a lot of the same games every year. It's just something that I just love to do, just to kind of keep my. Just to get my gamer wit tested, you know, I play Link to the Past a lot. Um, I play Super Metroid a lot. I play those randomized a lot. Um, I may play them on my Steam Deck just to have fun um, uh, via randomizers and stuff. But I mean, recently it's just been. I'm just trying to keep up with you guys. You guys are getting all the got all the games early, and I'm just trying to. I'm on the treadmill trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> You would get you the codes if we could. I know, I know. <laughs> if, I could, fair, if I, I could share my PlayStation account with you without I, someone from Sony, <laughs> Sony getting very mad. I appreciate mad. it. I, I know I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, uh, to be fair, I did get Final Fantasy 16 relatively early, um, but I, I don't, I just couldn't get the game completed in time for a video. Um, I tried, but you know, sometimes you just gotta. I think, it's, I think it's overrated getting the embargo stuff. It helps a little bit, but like, I don't, I don't think that's... that's. Well, really... I mean, for me, I also like crack the game wide open from a completionist angle, right? So like... More time and, you get And it's, it's backfired sometimes, right? Like I had Dead Space Remake on launch day and the video bombed. And then like two weeks later, it blew up because mm-hmm. like sure. everyone was play- had already played it. So I kind yeah. of find that if I get it within that first seven to 14 day exposure period i'm good but that's rough when like the next game comes out next week and people have forgotten it right like you kind of saw that with um sonic frontiers a little bit into god of war ragnarok like the the fact that they were like what a day apart you saw the youtube thing just like were they the same day Uh, i think it was like one or two days yeah Yeah, i think think it was i think it was exactly one day i think and uh it's crazy because like you saw the the throttle on youtube like oh yeah song for tears then god of war and it just went the other way Mm -hmm. like it was that fast um so but anyways yeah you know i'm I'm just trying, like I said, just trying to, to to play as many games as I can. I'd say this has been one of the most um, diverse games gaming year in a while, right? Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of challenged us to be like, you're now going to play two remakes of really great games that have been improved and altered and, and made better. And then here's Octopath Traveler 2. Here's <sighs> Final Fantasy 16. Uh, yeah. Street Fighter 6 is like phenomenal. It, I, yeah, I think... Actually, one casualty of this year being so stacked is I played 
fewer indie games this year than I would have liked. I yes, I really agree. Feel that last year I played quite a few indie games and I really felt like I was able to stay on top of that scene. Yeah, but I feel like because AAA this year is so massive, there's so much coming all the time that I just haven't had the time. I feel guilty about that because I feel like there's some stuff that I've missed that I really would have loved to have spent more time with. Yeah. Um, but it's just, unfortunately, it's kind of part of this job needing to focus on the bigger stuff. Um, yeah, so so that's that's something I reflect on. Mm. Um, well, I mean, speaking of indies, I've been playing one and it's so Ooh. good and I want you all to play it. Dave the Diver. Is it indie? I thought it was like... I think, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It is definitely it Nexon is. or someone? Well, is no. Something? Yeah, actually, I think it has like a bigger company making it. Uh, hang on, let's have a look. I'll yeah, tell I you. Was just, Dave I was just the Diver like is from... No, it's it's totally indie. indie. Mint Rocket. Oh, no, no, hang on. No, Nexon Korea Corporation. I think Mint Rocket is a Nexon studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. So it is. It does, it does have money behind it. Okay, but it has, it has like enough. the feelings and workings of a smaller team. I think it is a, it's sure. a small indie studio. looking. Yeah, sure, it's indie esque. It's got that indie look. No, um, <laughs> yeah. we talked about it a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. Ralph said it was a Lucius game. You're so correct, but it is not that being a Lucius game is any kind of negative badge. It's so good. The gameplay loop is phenomenal. Basically, you are the eponymous Dave the Diver, and Part of the day, uh, the morning and the afternoon, you go into this, uh, oh, I forget what they call it, but you go into this kind of like ocean that changes every time you go in. So you're not revisiting the same place over and over. You go fishing, you um, explore the depths. There's obviously, it's the sea. There is a great mystery of a civilization lost uh, to the waves underneath there. And so that's your morning and your afternoon. And then in the evening, you are the manager of a local sushi bar. So you have to hire staff to keep it running. You serve customers. There are special VIP guests who come in and you have to make uh, specialty dishes for them, which require specific dives or, you know, uh, specific fish that you have to go collect purposefully. So loop wise, you're always doing something. You are, there's essentially, they have a version of Pokemon cards in there where you're Every fish that you catch gets added. And they they basically, the guy who introduces that to you is dressed like Ash Ketchum. There are different weapons to get. So there are different weapon caches to open. And every if you collect them a few times, um, your guy, your weaponsmith, who is just a nerd. And at one point, his anime statue has been lost into the sea and you have to go dive <laughs> in and get it for him. Uh, it's, yeah, it's so full of character, so full of charm. The guy who runs the sushi shop uh, the sushi restaurant, every time you uh, upgrade a dish or if a, a VIP guest comes in, he has this little like vignette kind of thing where he goes really over the top and he's like doing the salt bay thing and he's slicing stuff. Oh, and I see super, it actually. There's a photo super here. Super stylized. Yeah. It's so fun. The, um, art, the art style is so fascinating because yeah, it is. it's pixel and then it's 3D and then it's 2D, 3D, then it's pixel 2D, 3D. Like mm-hmm. it's just jumping all over. It's trying to do like mm. so many different games all at once. And I'm fascinated it by it. It succeeds massively. The music is mm. so chill. Underwater mechanics as well. So the thing I said earlier about loving it when games give you these in- incremental updates uh, you bring in money from the restaurant. You use that to upgrade your suit so you can carry more fish, so you can uh, have more oxygen, so you can dive deeper. There are different 
uh, obviously all the different fish you can find, but there are different levels of the fish that you can find, you know, like three star guys or, you know, one star. There's different dishes to find, dishes to make, people to hire and train. Uh, you're bringing in money. There's a mini social network, which is basically like their version of Instagram. And so every day when people come in, they rate you and they take pictures and they tag you in it. And so you can go through your social media and just like everything. But also that is a different level in itself. And so getting more social media followers brings in more people. You can decorate your restaurant. It's basically everything I've ever wanted in a game. <laughs> it's great. And it works really well on Steam Deck as well. I played it on my flight to Vancouver and on the flight back. And I was playing it. I was waiting for something to install on my PC. And I was like, oh, I'll just play a little bit of Day of the Diver. And sure. Play it for two hours <laughs> without even thinking about it. Anyway, it's fantastic. And yeah, the reception to it has been incredible. Yeah. 10 out of 10 it's on like Steam. Overwhelmingly positive. Almost 30,000 reviews. 97, 98% uh, overwhelmingly positive, which is like crazy that's like Nuts. for that many reviews for that that is like one of the highest rated games of the year in fact that's actually that's a good check yeah um we can st- check steam 250 uh. and oh there are mini games I'm, I'm watching the trailer uh on steam i haven't even got these mini games yet i didn't even know you could do that i didn't even dave know the diver race dave the diver is dave the diver is the sixth highest rated game on steam this year wow. uh after pizza tower Mm-hmm. Which is number one? Oh, yeah. yeah. Resident Evil Four, number two. Yeah. Pineapple on pizza, number three. Don't know what the fuck that is. Brotato, uh, number four. The murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, a literal meme game. Let's go. <laughs> as number five. <laughs> finally, and, we won. And Dave the Diver. So that's Sonic it. fans have finally Sonic won. Right, fans <laughs> have finally got the high rankings it, they desire. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> we just exactly. had to kill him. That's all we had to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave Diver is fantastic, and I hope you will all play it and enjoy it as much as I. Uh, I have that installed, and actually, that is one I plan to play on my trip for sure. Please um, do, and because I, when I first saw it, I um saw like I I played that demo actually, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh okay, this is cool and cute. Like it's uh, it's got like a diving game and then a sushi game. That's nice. And you just think, you just imagine that that's how it would roll through. Mm. But then I've seen other clips and other videos and screenshots and I'm like, whoa, this looks like a whole thing going on here. That's like this far more elaborate RPG experience than just being like a straight up, you know, yeah. life management sim thing. And it, uh, visually it's, it's visually it looks quite limited at first in that demo that i played you didn't see too much of it but again looking at those later clips it's such a more it's such a fantastical rendition of the underwater world that you're just like wow this is this is a lot so Mm. yeah i'm really surprised by it if this gives you any indication of or users at home listening it scratches the same itch as the cabaret club minigame from yakuza zero uh gerard knows what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a man that's a who's good th- that's a good thing right yes okay yeah. but it's also dangerous it's dangerous yeah um, fair enough so that's Dave for the diver so that's yeah what- i'm really keen for that hell yeah i hope you really enjoy it um mm. that's what we've been playing we've got another user question uh, again. I, I sorry. I apologize if you guys watching at home see this. My the sun in my office is beaming through, so it's like it looks like I'm just being attacked by the sun. So I apologize <laughs> if it's distracting. I was gonna ask you being attacked by the sun. 
I've been. Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask. It's how I have feel. Do you see it attacking you? I I tried to hide it, and uh, it worked until the sun got mad that I that I tried hiding it and it got bigger. So I'm just I've accepted defeat. You win, son. Sorry, Lucy. Take it no! away. No, uh, honestly. So I watched um all of Silo over the weekend, which is oh yeah, oh so good. Loved it. Okay. However, my apartment has so many windows and this i don't i don't want to sound you know like oh woe is me i have so much natural light in my apartment <laughs> however silo is so dark there was genuinely i was i was texting my friend and i sent him a picture and he said is your tv off <laughs> no that's just the show i have a 2018 television i don't have any oled backlights hdr no show um yep. So believe me, when you're talking about battles with the sun, I understand. Silo's great. Watch it. Foundation is not grabbing me as much, oh, but I am still, I am still wait, enjoying it. How are you watching? Wait, season one of Foundation? Season one. Okay, right. Season I two's out today, love, isn't it? No, the 14th. I love Foundation so much. I feel like I love it more than I actually should because I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is not great oh, as I'm watching it. Oh, psycho history doesn't sound... <laughs> just, yeah, all of that shit. I'm like, I don't know, man. But like, <laughs> but it's just the aesthetic oh, yeah. and like Lee Pace being in there and like just so many things that I cling to and I'm like, fuck yeah, man, this rules. And also, I guess I was just hankering for some really hardcore sci-fi and yeah. it's like... Doesn't get much more hardcore than that, really. I guess it kind of does, but yeah. You know. I mean, I'm, so I was I, into it. I'm, I'm, I will be. I'm not ashamed by saying that I saw Lee Pace, and that's why I clicked. I mean, fair but enough, man. You're only human. You're only human. But I am <laughs> listening to the Dune audiobook because I oh. will finish it. Okay. Before it's... Tune comes out, I will finish it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. I like I like Dune. I like it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I started to read the sequels, though. That's risky business, man. I don't know. They get fucking wild after that. Oh, they talk about shagging in the suits and whatever. Uh, No, honestly, I won't spoil it. But it's just the the first book is very much like a political Mm. drama. uh, And the second book start to get very funky in ways that the first book really doesn't. And after that, the subsequent books get really wild in terms of who's mating with who and all sorts of stuff going on and it gets pretty crazy so fuck yeah i'm into it it's right that Baldur's gate have sex with a bear thing we've brought it back full circle having sex with a sandworm don't touch me with a good time lucy Timothy mm. Chalamet, what have you signed up for? <laughs> anyway, we got another listener question, user question from Dubsy Ubsy. I loved what a great name. I loved Battleborn from Gearbox Entertainment, but it felt like it was never given a chance to succeed and build a player base. Did any of you play it? What did you think of it? Are there any games you loved that sadly died before their time? I, I did play. play. I've never I did heard play Battleborn. I did not because yeah. oh, I, I never heard somebody Overwatch. say this about Battleborn. I didn't know really? anybody liked Battle- Battleborn. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Uh, did you play it, Gerard? Battleborn? No. I-, I played it. I played it when it was still alive. And I was like, yeah, I can see how this is interesting and cool. And it was like, it was during, because that was during my MOBA phase as well when I was playing League of Legends and I was experimenting with other stuff. Like I dabbled in a bit of Smite and. You, know, you could definitely see how this genre, this subgenre, could burgeon out to be something more interesting. And I played it. It didn't really leave an impression. 
Like, it was like, it's fine. It's cool. But the problem with that game is that it just got absolutely steamrolled by Overwatch. And, you know, it, I think Battleborn, had Battleborn come out in this current landscape, there's a chance that Battleborn might have had some success. Because I think these days, these games get released with a much longer view of, of their growth. Like, I actually, I actually booted up Hunt Showdown recently just to play a few rounds of that. Because Hunt Showdown is popping off at the moment and it's got its highest concurrent player count ever and whatever. That game should have died a long time ago but because of its player base. Like it had was struggling to crack 2K players and it just, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was going anywhere, but Crytek really stuck with it. And now, because it was incredible, by the way, Hunt has always been remarkable. And now it's massive. And I think that in these last few years, developers have realized that it takes time to build these games and you invest in them. Whereas Battleborn, it was kind of just like, well, this didn't work really quickly. Let's just leave it. And I'm not, and I'm sure there was a billion reasons why that, I don't want to, assume why they made that decision but i do suspect that had it released later that the developers probably would have had a different mindset to it a longer view of its of how it could grow and battleborn might still be here today so um yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't realize shame. how closely it launched to oh, overwatch yeah. it was yeah yes. beginning of may and then overwatch is the 24th of may Correct. Then, so it, it just mm. had no chance because Overwatch was this phenomenon and everyone's like, they're the same. And it's like, they're really not the same. They're very they're different games. Very different yeah. games. Yeah. But you could see because they were character driven and it had like these zany characters. It was all colorful and like you can see the overlap. Yeah. It was the same reason people say Lawbreakers and Overwatch were similar. Like there were some similarities. There were some mm. competing factors, whatever, but ultimately quite different games, right? See, and, Lawbreakers um, would have been my, my answer for... A game that I felt in the way that the uh, what was the writer's name? Wub- Bubsy Wubsy, Dubsy <laughs> Bubsy Wubs, Dubsy. Come on, man, get it right, get it right, blessing. Come on. My apology, Mister Wubsy, or Mister Wubsy first. But like uh, the Lawbreaker, Lawbreakers is the game that I feel that way about. Where I thought that game was pretty good, um, and I thought it was competently made. Um, you know, I really liked the <laughs> lack of gravity mechanic, right? Like being able to yeah. float all over the place and having these different uh, characters with different abilities. I thought that game was really fun. And I like it's a bit foggy in my brain, but I want to say it was a similar thing as Battleborn where Overwatch was still the hotness by the time Lawbreakers came out and it didn't uh, find its footing. Um, but yeah, like that's a game that I wish could have lived longer. And I think that's totally. a game to similar to Ralph's point about Battleborn. I think if lawbreakers comes out today maybe it stands a bit more of a chance than it did in what like 2017 when it mm. came out um but yeah that's a game that i thought was was pretty fun isn't cliff blazinski saying that he's got interest he's in- always talking about it but he doesn't want to like uh, break make it, it happen because he wants he says he wants to get the rights and but he doesn't want to like take over development of it. He says he's done with all that stuff. And it's kind of like, well, unless you do it, like who else is going to do it? Yeah. It really, you really need someone who's willing to grab it by the scruff of the neck and bring it in. But I honestly believe if you put it out there, there's a chance. Like I'm not saying it with guaranteed success, but what I'm saying is there's nothing quite like that right now. And if you yeah. could find the right budget and you could find the right monetization model to support that game, it's got a real shot because like Lawbreakers was really fun to play. Like mm. it really was. So no, I agree with you, Bless. That's that's a really good example. I would say uh, the thing is, is that like, I, I feel like I can't say Evolve 
because it did get brought back Ooh. and people yeah. still didn't play it. But I really enjoyed <laughs> playing Evolve at the I thought it was I mean, it was on the cusp of more asymmetrical uh, multiplayer modes really taking off. And I think the concept was super cool. Everyone had a role in bringing the monster down. And if you were playing as a monster, it was super fun. But yeah, I mean, the way they monetized... Oh God, the, I remember seeing that pre-order tree haunts my nightmares. And then they brought it back as a free-to-play. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, people did rally behind it for a little bit, but it dropped off. And uh, I think it was a super cool idea. Kind of, in a, in a way, ahead of its time, if you look at the success of Dead by Daylight and Friday yes. the 13th and stuff. Yes. Um, also, the cleverest logo I've ever seen. Because it was the, <laughs> the 4v1. The, no, it was, oh. it was the four dashes yeah. and the one dash. It was, oh, it was so right. smart. Sure. Um, so that's probably mine. Yeah. Overwatch 2 would be the cruel answer. <laughs> people are still Damn. playing it, but they... People that's are still brutal. playing Damn. it, but like... Yeah, I sure. mean the love. You know, talking about Overwatch in its heyday, it's definitely not. This is give Brink sure. another shot. Make it good this time. I don't know if this is. This, <laughs> oh, so this this doesn't. I guess the, my answer is a non-answer because I'm always a weirdo. Um, I just wish that this game took off and continued to thrive because it had that multiplayer. It came out in a very specific time of the PlayStation Three and the early rise of like team battle games and. And, um, you know, almost even MOBAs. Did you guys ever play Fat Princess on the PlayStation 3? No. I heard about it, but never played it. Oh, my God. Okay, so Fat Princess was, it was Capture the Flag, but your flag was a princess who is obese. And the whole thing was that the other team had the other person's princess, and you had you had to feed the enemy princess cake to make her heavy so that the other team couldn't go and get her and bring her over. It was like a, and this like you have, oh you have different, it's, it, it, you have different classes and stuff. Like there's a, there's a mage, there's a brawler and you, you use devices to like launch the princess across the field. And then you and your homies get together. And the more who hold her kind of the, the lighter she is. And you get to the point. It was a P fat princess was in, PlayStation All Stars, so it's not like it's a that's, weird. That's how I remember. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's where she came from. It's essentially a capture the flag multiplayer game, and on PS3, it had tons of multiplayer people. You had teams of, uh, I think it was like a, it was like two teams of thirty of uh, sixty of uh, sixteen. Mm -hmm. So it was like sixteen and sixteen, all trying to come together to get the princess from one side to the other. Regardless of what you think of the weird undertones of the game, it was so freaking fun. And I thought it was an indie title, essentially. It felt like an indie title from, from Sony. And so I was hoping that it would catch on and people would play it. And then she was in PlayStation All-Stars. And I was like, oh, great. That means we're going to get more games. Like, that's an exciting thing. Mm. And and then we never got any more games. I'm So that's kind of a bummer. But that's that's my weird answer, Fat Princess. That's a good one. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, wow. yeah for sure. Um, producer Rich says, uh, he left a little note. He said, Rich Producer, loved Battleborn 2. Not a single game was populated in Australia about a month after release. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's devastating. That's, that's a great question. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, thank you so much, um, uh, Dubsy Ubsy. Yes. That's a great name, by the way. Mm. Um, Just as a, as a quick chime in, IGN yeah. gave it a 9 out of 10. GameSpot <laughs> gave it a 4 out of 5. <gasps> it was it was a well received game. Wait, GameSpot gave scores out of five? No, we would have been an eight out of ten. Oh no, 
Uh oh no, never mind. I, I'm sorry. I read that as as uh, Giant Bomb gave ah. it a four out of five. Uh no. Uh GameSpot gave it a seven point five out of ten. Yeah, we used classic to do, GameSpot mm. always stingy with the scores. We used to do point fives, and I remember we got rid of them. And then in the fractured butthole trailer, they said won't do anything the less the the South Park fractured butthole. <laughs> I don't know this game. Fractured butthole. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just <laughs> yeah, fractured butthole. The fractured comma butthole uh, trailer. They said we won't do anything than a nine point five from Gamespot, and we were like, "Oh, sorry, lads, we just got rid of all that. <laughs> we don't do the point fives anymore." Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, before we go into the week, this week in the way back, a nice little detour because we want to talk about older games. Uh, Gerard. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something from the Video Games History Foundation that's in the news and more people should be talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, so we're filming this early on in the week and I, who yeah. knows who carries it. But um, I work closely with the Video Games History Foundation. Obviously, a lot of you saw my Gerard was dumb and bought all these video games on the eShop for 3DS and Wii U. Uh, but I did it as as a, a means of showing that preser- preserving games is difficult. Um, and uh, the Video Game History Foundation released a study today um, on on um, all of the, 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 the difficult data that people don't really realize. And granted, disclaimer, yes, I am aware of emulation and so are they. This is this is talking about the commercial availability of video games in its current form from games as early as the Atari up until the year 2010. So this is this is up until the middle of the or the tail end of the Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii era of games. Um, the study is called 87% Missing the Disappearance of Classic Video Games. So they went through and they deep dove on all the different platforms on all from all the major companies and and found some interesting data that as far as porting, remastering and preserving these games through and through outside of the first party published games, um, each of the platforms have very, very, very low percentages um, to and, and it sounds stupid, obviously, when you talk about Nintendo Switch Online, because it just kind of started with the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color. Um, but uh the the data is pretty staggering um i'm 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 going to tr- i can i can't know if i can sum- summarize it up right now um but you're looking at around um a total of about 1500 games categorized out of the total that uh, 86% of them you cannot buy today in some shape or form whether it's through a collection whether it's through a port or a remaster um that number is 13% Jesus. so for those of you who are worried about like buying a new Mario, Mario one or two or three, you're fine. This is talking about all of the games on all the platforms that are like uh, your Bubsies of the world. Bubsies is a little bit different because people meme on Bubsy, but like a game like Pepsi Man um, or a license like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen Game Boy Advance game, right? Like obviously these aren't games that people want to play today. But if you wanted to play it, you cannot commercially buy it, and you have to obviously emulate and pirate, which is what people do. But when you break it down, not everyone is comfortable emulating and would rather actually pay money to own it on all systems, right? Like that's why we have things like Spotify and Apple Music, and and movies and games and or movies and books specifically 
are a different medium, but don't have similar problems because of the fact that uh, a movie can be re-released multiple times on new platforms. Books get reprints all the time. There's digital versions of books you can get on your Kindle or your iPad or whatever it is, but video games are stuck in this weird zone where it's platform specific. And so this whole study dives deep into that um, and it's gonna help um, all of the the um, uh, the folks when they go to Congress in 2024 to battle for trying to convince the the ESA and the Supreme Court to allow it so that people can rent games in a modern format via libraries. Imagine if you can go to a library and play any game you want for educational purposes. Stream any game you want for educational purposes from the from the value of your home. You can do that currently with books and movies throughout the country. You can't do that with video games. And the ESA is arguing it's because of piracy. It's it'll encourage piracy. And it's like, well, piracy is already happening, motherfuckers. So like, you might as well make a change. And so that's what this whole case is about. Um, would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. I I am definitely uh I'm making a huge video on it um and and a deep dive explaining the case. Uh, it's already out at this point, but uh yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about this before we move on. I can't believe I the number the, is so high. I think it's the yeah, true. Mm. Yeah. I was just saying, I think if the US Congress is on it, like I'm sure it's a it's solved. Like you can always trust Congress to to get the job done, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially the U.S. one. <laughs> so don't. I mean, I know there's the whole thing about um, the Internet Archive and like books being yeah, put on yeah, there, yeah. and you know they're getting sued by people like HarperCollins and stuff. But doesn't does the American government? Like, I mean, in the U.K., every single book that is published in the U.K. is put into like the big library over there. Do we have something similar in America where like they preserve things? It's supposed to, I, 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 blessing, I feel like it could movies be wrong. and I, stuff were preserved. I think it's supposed to be the Library of Congress. Like That's if the you've, one. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. I I feel like only certain video games do get preserved. Like I feel like only the mo really important ones get preserved. Yeah, like the first copy of Myst or something like that. Or like, oh, yeah. you know, what the very first NES manufactured in America kind of vibes. Um, I just... I think, look, I think it'd be great if this improved, but I just have zero faith that it does because there's no money behind the cause to change it. Like there's no, because there's going to be lots of lobbyists paid for by publishers who will, who will give money to politicians to stop them from making change in this area. Oh yeah. Uh, that is, that is going to happen for sure. Uh, that's what the ESA's job is to do essentially to lobby against improvements in the video game industry, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and I don't, and there's no counterforce to that. There's no like block of money that will come in and will convince a different set of politicians that actually this needs to change for X, Y, and Z. And there's no votes in it either. So like, I just think that some, yeah, again, relying on politicians to try and make video games more accessible into the longer term uh, by reducing, by making it easier to pirate things is not going to fly. Obviously, it's not making it easy to pirate things, but that's how the lobbyists will position it. That's the argument that the politicians will hear. And then they'll be like, no, not touching that. Uh, please give me, you know, some more more money. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's a cynical take, but I just I just don't see it changing. Like, I really like why why would that? I just don't believe politicians understand the importance of this enough to try and make a value based judgment. I think they're going to see it as purely commercial, and like mm -hmm. Disney's going to give them a check to say, nope, just keep it as it is. 
It's but, kind of, I mean, not to, we're already kind of going a bit long, but, you know, it's kind of terrifying just to see the way the content is being wiped out, you know, HBO and Max just sure. deleting things. I mean, the heartbreaking thing totally. are the people who are making it and just kind of go, oh, our show just aired, it just finished and it's already been deleted and you can't buy it anywhere. And like, I am a person who, if I could have more physical media, I could, but as someone who literally moved continents and is starting from scratch um i i basically lent on physic on digital stuff because of ease um yeah totally but then i guess i'm doing it without really thinking of the repercussions down the line and so i am thankful for folks like the video games history foundation and you Gerard, like calling attention to it because it's something that yeah we all we'll do for ease we're just gonna buy it and online and yeah it's in my library i'll forget that i even own it and then you know what if we wanted to say to our kids one day, hey, remember when I played that? I don't know. I used to have a Mary Golem game? You want to hear some real history, kids? Golem. They made a Golem game once. Uh, literally any Lord of the Rings game prior to 2008. You can't buy, yeah. you know, Battle for Middle Earth, I don't think, anymore. You definitely can't buy the old... Um, EA ones, like the Return of the King and Two Towers, unless yeah. you buy them a secondhand copy on um, eBay. To give you guys yeah. an idea, talking about at least three platforms based on the study and the surface level, 88% of PlayStation 2 games are unplayable digitally. So about 12% of the total library. There's about a thousand plus games in that library. So it's yeah. not, it sounds like a lot, but overall it's not. All of those uh, FIFA games lost like tears in rain. <laughs> All the Maddens. Uh, Commodore 64, 95.5% of the games have not been ported over. Four and a half percent. And then if we're talking about the Game Boy family, which is oh boy. Game Boy Advance, uh, Game Boy Color, and... Uh, the regular Game Boy, obviously because Nintendo Switch Online only has, oh, I don't know, 24 fucking games on it currently. You're looking at 94.2% are commercially unavailable to play uh, because video game companies want a video game company. So yeah. very interesting study if you are into that kind of stuff. And if you don't want to read the study, uh, my video does a deep dive on it. Uh, and that, that'll be out right now if you want to check it out. So. Awesome. Well, uh, Gerard, do you oh, want to yeah. round us out with uh, this week in the way back? Yeah, let's let's start with this this week in in the way back. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I love this game. I think it's very underappreciated. Uh, Thirty one years ago, uh, on July fourteenth in Japan, Mario Paint came into our lives. And let me tell you why Mario Paint is amazing. Not only could you make music, and not only could you color satisfactorily into the lines of your Mario world pre-made colors, not only could you hunt down all different types of bugs in the little bug minigame with the mouse, we got, our, we got the very first episode of Homestar Runner was made in Mario Paint. Oh my god. Homestar Runner is amazing. I didn't know that. Didn't you didn't know, know that? that? No. They made it in Mario Paint. It's so Holy good. Cow. They, they made awesome. it with they made it with the with like a VCR of uh, like a, a a VHS like of uh camera and Mario Paint. So Mario Paint is kick ass. I want that game ported. Talking about games <laughs> that haven't been brought back in years. We haven't had Mario Paint since the Super Nintendo. You put it on the Switch, I grab a stylus, I'm painting all over again. I'm ready to go. 
Yeah, what about that actually paint? would make sense. I can see that actually selling, to be honest with you. I can see that. That yeah. would fit within the Switch's thing. And it would be the one time they actually use the touchscreen on the Switch because zero games use the touchscreen on the yeah. Switch. So, yeah. Yep, exactly. Sure. Lucy, Lucy, what's your game pick? Purely because I refuse to believe that it's nine years ago. Uh, but nine years ago, Rocket League came out. Ooh. Don't you fucking dare. Wow. <laughs> I know. Nine That's years? Impossible. Yeah. That's impossible. Um, God, man. I, I mean, where to from begin? It was, I guess, the first huge success story of a game going on PS Plus and just yeah. everyone having it and everyone playing it. I mean, even in the GameSpot offices, still play it occasionally. I know um, Jeff Bacalar's kid, Dylan, obsessed with Rocket League. <laughs> just such a... Such a smart game, simple to play, difficult to master, um, bright colors, cool sound mm. design, controls exceptionally well, the feeling of scoring a goal, and then all the clever <laughs> tie-ins they've done over the years, like the Batmobile or even the DeLorean and stuff like that, yeah. and like the Ghostbusters stuff. Everything about Rocket League, so smart, and it's endured for so long, um, I can't believe like the success story and i hope it is still immensely successful for them because what a game and i yeah it's well, upsetting it's to think now. it's epic oh yeah by, yeah now it's, yeah, it's another one of their games like fall fall guys and that and fortnite they got this whole party game thing going on it's a smart strategy to be honest so super super smart yeah yep 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 ralph what about you what's your game uh well 23 years ago this week final fantasy 9 was released on the playstation and uh, it feels like the right time to talk about that because obviously we just had a new mainline entry and so that's nice. Final Fan- And it was also a high fantasy entry as Final Fantasy IX was after seven and eight did the whole kind of like, you know, very dark, grimdark, sci-fi-esque kind of worlds. And uh, it was the chibi art style as well, which, you know, a lot of people were like, this sucks, this make it go back to the tall characters like in eight. Um... But it was, yeah, it was still wonderful and uh, really loved it. And I really loved how, like, it always really welcome, like, it, it's, I mean, you know, obviously the Final Fantasy games are all so diverse, of course. Like, you know, 16 is the perfect example of that. But I, And I've always admired Square's willingness to, like, totally throw out everything they've done before to try something completely different within, within each new entry. It doesn't mean every new entry lands well. But it's cool that they try to do stuff like that, right? But I do think Final Fantasy IX did land well. Uh, there are rumors that there is a remake currently underway. Uh, oh, that's yeah. That's doing the rounds right now, which would be cool. And there was also, if you want to go and do some Googling, uh, some artists put together like a proof of concept of what Final Fantasy IX might look like if it was fully oh. remade from the ground up. It's kind of like a 3D game. It has a little bit of the kind of like, you know, X game in Unreal trailer energy. But at the same time, parts of, parts of it look pretty great. And you kind of like, you know what? That would be pretty amazing if they did that. They're not going to do that, I'm sure. But it would be nice if they did, right? Little, seeing Vivi run around doing his thing, he's he's just made for this current generation. He's a Thomas character. So, um, yeah, man, Final Fantasy IX, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good one for sure. Well, I want to issue a correction. It was eight years since Rocket League. I didn't. Okay. Math. I didn't maths good. Sure. Okay. I was sure. doing the math in my head too, and I was like, "This doesn't line well, up." But maybe we see something. I don't. No. I when I when I typed it in on the website, it said uh, 2014, and then I went into it, and it said 2015. So I was I was misled. I was waylaid. I'm sorry. 
Blessing, do you have a game that you'd like to share with us today to make us all feel yeah, old? I'm, yeah, I'm down to two, and I'm trying to... I'm, can I give a shout-out? Am I allowed to do a shout-out? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shout-out to Metal Gear, releasing in Japan 36 years ago, mm-hmm. the original Metal Gear game. But my choice for um, the, this week in, in, in the past... I forget what the, what the segment's <laughs> called. Uh, I want to shout-out Yu-Gi-Oh! Dark Duel Stories that came out on the Game Boy Color uh, 23 years ago. It's a bit of a deeper cut, but it's one that means a lot to me. It was one of my uh, first Game Boy games, and I was obsessed with it and i think it kind of comes full circle with like me talking about how much i love inscription right like mm. getting to play and me playing inscription on my steam deck actually me getting to play Yu-Gi-Oh! dark duel stories on my game boy color and being very obsessive about like building my deck and really getting into my bag of like all right like what is the strategy i need to go uh, need to do here and then getting to duel against characters like yugi like um uh may like uh joey wheeler and all the characters that you know and love from the Yu-Gi-Oh franchise that was something that meant a lot to me and that was something that like that was like one of my main game boy games it was that and pokemon like i loved Yu-Gi-Oh! dark duel stories and i know there are probably like a handful of people listening to that played a lot of that growing up too so this is for y'all Yu-Gi-Oh! dark duel stories salute awesome thank you blessing back to you lucy well thank you everyone uh for listening for watching we'll be back again in a couple weeks um it's been a very fun episode blessing where can folks find you yeah you can find me over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games at you kind of funny games daily which is our video game news show uh, and we i also i'm also on a ps love you xoxo which is our playstation podcast but if you want to follow me i'm on twitter at blessing junior but more importantly i'm on threads <laughs> at blessing you yeah. the same ad. so come and find That's me it. threaden ralph what about you uh yeah you'll find me here on this youtube channel but not next week uh next episode i should say because i'm on holidays and uh the news show will be taking a break for a month and uh my editor austin's gonna be stepping up and he's gonna be doing some reviews for the channel which i'm really excited about because uh Ooh. he is awesome yeah he has a background in game dev and he has his own YouTube channel and uh, like he's just he's just cool. I think people are going to like his stuff. I have a good feeling about it. So uh, he's doing that. And then I'm also I'm also on threads. I'm actually basically off Twitter entirely now. Like I just haven't tweeted there in days or longer, I guess. And I'm just like very, very done with it. I'd love to never have to go back. I'm not saying I'm finished there forever, but I would love it if I was done. So let's see how threads goes. Let's see. Gerard? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Threads, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook. I'm sure MySpace, I, MySpace, uh, right. Hive, Hive <laughs> Mas- Mastodon, <laughs> Blue Sky. I'm all over the place. Uh, like I said, I just released a video on the uh, this this deep dive of uh, the uh, the the preserving video games and such and i just released a video today on pikmin 3 deluxe to get you all ready for pikmin 4 coming out next week so if you want to check it out it's there otherwise i'm completing games everyone like everyone else is completing them don't just finish them you complete them that's what i do uh i'm lucy james games everywhere one thread threads yeah threads is it thread or threads it's threads Threads. The, yeah, that's right. She, she, she's it Lucy was. James. She's a threat. Watch out. She'll come <laughs> yeah. for you. I'm posting my crochet pictures over on Threads. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, uh, YouTube. You can find me, GameSpot, and Giant Bomb. I am going to be at San Diego Comic Con next week. I'm going to be hosting a panel. 
cool. for Immortals of Avium, which I'm oh. very excited about. That's going to be really fun. So if you're going to Comic-Con on the Friday, I think it's 12.45 to 1.45. Um, I'll tweet it out and everything um, on that Friday. Please come along. It'll be a good time. Um, and yeah, I we don't have our lovely Jake Baldino with us today. So I'm going to do my best impression. Just tie your shoes and go to bed. <laughs> An attempt was made. Thank you. <laughs> he will love it. Thank <laughs> you.